Gardens is our year-end Kaiju Palooza, where it's basically a smorgasbord of Kaiju discussion. So um, we're going to have – we have a few topics lined up here. And anybody can join in in the chats um, and all that. You can offer your thoughts and opinions, maybe even some topics you wish to bring up. So, um, but, but before we do that, uh, is there any housekeeping? Yeah, for yeah, I don't know why that was uh, causing uh, issues earlier. I thought I had my YouTube thing closed up or anything. But uh, anyways, as far as – well, I didn't know – I had the YouTube thing going there. I thought I'd close it up. But um, I, I, I expect an apology. <laughs> well, I thought I was on your on your end because I thought I had I didn't even have anything open. That's what I thought. But um, anyways, as far as uh, the audio streams or anything, is, uh, you can listen to us on both uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you see down below, uh, iHeartRadio and TuneIn, and as far as our streaming networks, uh, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook Live, uh, DLive, and as well as uh, Periscope. And you can also find us over at uh, any of the social media networks. Just search for Daikaiju Network, and you can find us at our uh, homepage at daikaijunetwork.com. Also, um... Shoot, I just forgot my train of thought. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, one of the things that Jason and I we were discussing yesterday with preliminary testing of uh, kind of this feed and and what have you is we're thinking about up at the start of the new year in terms of how we proceed with this particular type of format. Uh, we've been having just some technical issues, either video and or audio. And so we've been uh, discussing some different approaches that, that we may be taking uh, starting when we do our first episode here in the new year. By the way, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. Hopefully everybody is staying safe and healthy. Um, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a scary time, uh, you know, here. And um, if I guess we, we just want to dive into our first topic here. Um, yeah, I don't know who would, would, would like to go first. On this. Well, this is a topic both you and I, by and large, have uh, the, that we wanted to discuss here for this episode. And that is just this past year. Um man um you know nothing like any one of us has you know whether it's us or out there in the audience uh you know that we've gone through before i lost a friend uh to covid back in early april um it, and then g fest got canceled um which i expected to happen uh once it was announced we were officially in a pandemic back in march um, it's been a very scary, stressful, frustrating, anxiety-inducing year, and um, you know, and obviously that's affected a lot of things. I mean, like I said, it affected G Fest, but on top of that too, it delayed at least 
two, if not three times, the release of Godzilla vs. Kong uh, for theaters now. Now, that is officially coming out May 21st of next year on HBO Max for one month, and then at the same time in theaters, it'll do its regular theatrical run, and then the standard schedule for DVD and Blu-ray releases will will follow. Um just been, uh, to say the least, this shit show of a year. Uh, but at the same time, yeah. with that being said, um, there have been some silver linings uh, in all this. For example, considering Godzilla versus Kong, it was initially delayed anyways because they were wanting to do some reshoots. But then they delayed it even more because of the whole pandemic. And I think that is also giving them some extra uh, time and opportunities to go back and to just make sure they are giving us the best final product possible for when we do get it here uh, in like five, six months here. So, uh, but there have been some other great things that have come out this year. Um, Well, I guess first and foremost, um, to the negative first, let's just get the bad stuff out of the way. Um, it, for me, it was very strange, obviously, not having G-Fest this year. Um, mm-hmm. Fact, too, that last year is technically now the last year that the festival will be held at the Crown Plaza. Next year, assuming everything with the vaccine and all that stuff goes okay, uh, we'll be able to have it, and it'll be at the Hyatt Regency, like half a mile or so down the road from Car- Crown Plaza. Like but for as long as Jason and I have been going, you know, we had gone for eight consecutive years, I believe it was at that point. And um, yeah, since, Crown Plaza is the only place we've known. Yeah, since 2012, we've been going there, I think. And, and I understand a lot of people over the last, you know, Three, four years, I've heard rumblings of, of people complaining about the Crom Plaza. Either they're just not being enough space, which definitely has become a factor now, especially since Bill Murray decided to put his mediocre restaurant there in the hotel. Um, and then on top of that, too, uh, the air conditioning system has occasionally failed uh, in certain years. areas of the building. Yeah, in certain parts of the building as well. And, and that's definitely a big thing because I don't like hot weather. I don't do well in hot weather. Um, And then then it seems like almost every other year there's usually problems with the elevators. Yeah, there have been problems with elevators. Yeah. Yeah, and so... um, you know, I understand where people are coming from. To me, though, I'm a sentimentalist. So, uh, you know, even though I understood that, especially after the Caddyshack restaurant got put in there, I realized they have to find a different location because that area where the restaurant resides in, the first couple of years or so we were there, it actually wasn't used. And then it became Artist Alley there for a while. And then after the restaurant moved in, to get moved down to the downstairs hallway and stuff for the artist alley and what used to be the old video game room at least when we first started going um you know and, and for me it was it's it's a bittersweet sort of um time we had discussed this a few months back when we found out that they were going to be moving it to the Hyatt Regency uh, starting next year. And so I, I can't – Jason and I looked at it. I don't know if we 
at the time showed anybody I, photos. Of- I know we uh, went over it the one time when they announced that they were going to be moving uh, the convention to the Hyatt Regency. They're about a quarter, half mile away there uh, from Crown Plaza. I think I think we might have shown uh, photos of it. I can't honestly remember. Probably have to go back a few uh, episodes back. Um, I know. Yeah, I know. We, I looked through them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just from seeing the photos and everything, as far as the like the convention, like the main convention hallway that they have there, and some of the other. Um, meetup uh, places it, it just looks freaking huge and I think like the main area where they have bunches like the hotel rooms and everything there's just like a really huge open spot like dead center of the hotel is like really open you can, I think probably see the like very top of the ceiling like uh, look out uh, an atrium sky window or something of the sort yeah yeah, and then all, just off to the side, off to the northern part of the building, is kind of just a big empty convention hall type area there. And then even within the building proper, there are different smaller conference rooms as well. And and, and ever since, uh, not only that they announced it, and then I personally went through those photos, realized, wow, there's a ton of potential here because that – just that convention floor itself is huge. I think it that space alone, I think, outdoes most, if not all entire convention floor space that we ever saw at Crown Plaza. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's decent size. And like I think I even talked to Jason. I don't think I talked about it on air. You could have that room split up into like two, three, or four different types of, of sections. Like you can maybe have half of it like dealer's room and then split the other half into like two sections or whatever, have it like the bigger convention halls or something like that. Like that. I mean, there are different possibilities that could be done. And I think, space. I think it's uh, double the space, double the convention hall space uh, from Hyatt Regency over the uh, Crown Plaza because I think the Crown Plaza has maybe a little over 50,000 total square footage of convention hall. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the uh, Hyatt Regency there has uh, probably a little over 100,000 square footage of total uh, convention hall. And I think uh, before having everything at uh, Crown Plaza, I think they did one year at that uh, convention center that's just right across the street from both the hotels there off uh, to the east from uh, Crown Plaza and then directly south from the Hyatt Regency Hotel there. But, of course, that's just way too much uh, convention space for something like GFES after thinking about it over the years because I know I've mentioned about it uh, several times in the past and of course they've done so I think once or twice but then now with uh, the convention space from 
the higher regency there i think it's probably a good a good enough for for uh chief as to potentially grow into and i think it'd be a good place to be there for many years up until the time when they just don't have enough space well, and the thing is, and I think we've talked about this periodically at the end of most G-Fests where um, G-Fest always seems to get a, you know, a spike when there's a major motion picture. We saw it in 2014. Um, I don't know if And then last saw year – because I, I think – Because I think last year sort of uh, was – it was probably at like the same level. Though. Maybe at the same level, or maybe just under. I think in the the eight or so years we've been going, um, the 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 particular G Fest convention that had the most people it was 2014 or 2015 i know 2014 saw a big spike but I, part of me thinks 2015 may have been larger because again you know godzilla later in 2014 would have come out on home video people would have seen it and then word of mouth would have come through um you know and then maybe the following year people would have checked it out but i would also i would also thought that maybe the other off years could potentially like before like between 2014 and as you mentioned 2015 between 2014 and 2019 i could thought that there might have been something where they uh surpassed their attendance records um they have the thing is is that when they have had growth it has with the exception of a couple of years like 2014 for example where they saw i think like a 1500 head growth i think something along those lines um most of the growth um ended up like after 14 or 15 the growth i think subsided a bit but it still was decent attendance um of the time it's been very steady um with the with the possible exceptions like you know if things were under normal circumstances next year um or even this year by and large with godzilla versus kong coming out although i think pushed it back to november before the pandemic i think or if that was after i keep getting confused where i they know that. i know yeah they like originally they had it in March of this year near my birthday. Yeah. And then once I think I think they announced to push it around Memorial Day weekend before the whole uh thing came about and then once uh all that happened, I think they probably didn't really mentioned about pushing it back until maybe somewhere in April. I'm guessing that. I think that sort of makes sense. And then they pushed it back to November around Thanksgiving week or weekend. And then probably several months after that, I think towards I'm guessing September or something that they announced that they were going to push it back to Memorial Day weekend of next year. And I think that's been there since. Yeah, so let's just say, for sake of argument, it was – we have no pandemic, and the thing was supposed to come out in March. Um, a, a pretty good 
attendance this year because Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, this is something I think I've even said on this podcast once or twice. It would be nice to have an updated version of that. I mean, that's something outside of Godzilla versus Gamera, which by and large is never going to happen. People have been wanting this rematch, you know, and you know, I, I think GFest would have seen attendance numbers go through the roof this year because Godzilla versus Kong would have generated so much um, excitement and enthusiasm uh, about all this. People would have wanted to be a part of all that. And so, you know, getting back more on, on topic, um, this Hyatt Regency, I think – the home of G-Fest for many years to come uh, because outside of the convention hall, which by itself alone uh, provides more than enough space for an average G-Fest, at least the ones we've been attending for nearly eight years now, um, than enough space. And then even within the building proper, you got odd number of other conference type halls that very well will be used for uh, panels and the like as well. I mean, there is so much space. And the thing is, is that, and we've said this before on this podcast, tokusatsu is is a very niche genre here in the States. Um, it has tokusatsu. definitely... Yeah, and kaiju, you know, is a subgenre of all that. Um, you know, but things like anime and stuff started growing in popularity in the earlyish two thousands here in the states. That in turn, I think, got interest in Japanese pop culture for a lot of people, which again introduced them to. All that. Then in the mid 2000s, you saw classic media on TriStar releasing a lot of Godzilla films, the classic ones, the Showa, on DVDs. Um, so you had a big boom there for four, five, six years of these films coming out on DVD. Uh, the original Godzilla, Gojira, in, in 2004 was making a 50th anniversary roundabout and select theaters across the country and then classic media for the first time ever in the States brought that film out on the DVD. Um, so, you know, you had this um, and now I will argue that things are kind of leveled out. Uh, I think you will see numbers fluctuate up and down, you know, in the coming years. Again, assuming things with the vaccine for the COVID workout and everything by the time next year's G-Fest is supposed to take place, I think we could see an incredible uh, attendance at next year's G-Fest. But I think the year after that, unless something happens with Toho for a theatrical piece, which my understanding is I don't think that's coming anytime soon. They're working on this anime miniseries at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I think the numbers will actually come down a little bit. Uh, uh, from what we see, you know, next year and um, Regency, again, from just the photos I've seen, I've never been in the hotel myself. I've seen it many times, obviously, because you can see it clear as day. I know, you know there was Plaza, but, I know there was uh, one year where I thought about uh, staying the night over at the higher Regency there. I know this year when uh, we were planning when we were still going to go to uh, GFS. Before all 
everything uh, gone to the shitter. But um, but then when they canceled it, I was still sort of planning on going to Kent for maybe about a week or so, and then possibly stay the night over at the Hyatt. But then, uh, of course, everything sort of fell apart, and Kent didn't want me to uh, come over, you know, sort of the fears and everything. And so <laughs> me traveling over to both Chicago and uh, Illinois or Michigan didn't uh, quite happen, especially with the Chicago area during that time where that you would have to, like, if you're staying the night there or something like that, you would have, literally have to stay for, like, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what. So it was like, eh, yeah. Yeah, and and I just think that, that there is plenty – the Hyatt Regency, unless for whatever reason it gets to be too expensive um, to host the convention there, I honestly don't see ever really outgrowing that space because, again, it's such a niche. Um, it, it's such a niche. Um, and then on top of that, too, there are like four or five other kaiju-type related um held in various parts of the country over the course of the year too i i don't remember most of them off the top of my head i think monster I know. on some yeah. level has incorporated a kaiju um there is an, another one that is sort of dedicated to kaiju like i said I, I don't remember a lot of these names but i'm aware and i became aware of them back over the summer that there are a handful of others that are kaiju centric. Monster Palooza deals with a lot of things monsters, not just kaiju, mm-hmm. but they've always sort of had kaiju as a subset of their convention. And that I think has very slowly grown in popularity over the recent years. Yeah. Uh, from my understanding, from listening to other people who have attended that, um, to, People have other options. I know Chicago is more centrally located, but it's still, especially if you live in the southern part of the country, you know, like if you live in Austin, Texas or whatever, that's quite a jaunt still. It's not like it's Kansas City, Missouri or, you know, or or, or St. Louis or whatever, where it's definitely more centrally located in the country. Um Yeah, I, I know for some people it's a big trek, but you know, definitely millions of people over the decades have done it mm-hmm. and um you know and i think gfest 2 is is the first and obviously the oldest kaiju centric uh convention i think that will always by and large i think um you know be the big one when it comes to kaiju and again i i, I don't see g-fest really outgrowing this space i would love to see that happen because then you know the whole country becomes kaiju nerds and i, and I think that would be good for the world to have more monster love in the world um yeah. but uh, the thing is is that i i, I uh, unless like i said things get too expensive for people to like stay at the hotel or whatever um I don't especially, see the convention moving anytime soon. Yeah, especially with the rise of you know some of the prices over the years, because I know we've sort of uh, seen it steadily increase over the last uh, eight straight years since we've gone to it. And even with uh, re- 
reserving the uh, the hotel room for uh, Crown Plaza before uh, everything got canceled and what have you. But um, it'd be interesting to see what the price is going to be for uh, the Hyatt Regency Hotel come for the uh, GFS convention uh, when that takes place. I'm not sure. I don't think. Well, I don't think they have done that yet. No, I think we did reserve it. I'll have to actually go back um, when we get done <laughs> uh, doing the special here. I'll have to take a look and uh, uh, what the price is uh, this time around if it has uh, sort of increased. It's been it's been a while since I've last looked at it but i know i think the last price uh from crown plaza i think it was uh 105 a night or something of the sort but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah well well definitely, money. <laughs> yeah but, uh, for the years to come with uh, high urgency it'd be interesting if uh, the prices will sort of stay the same as is, or if it's going to steadily increase over the years. It'll always steadily increase because it's that whole deal with um, well, inflation. Then, yeah. Inflation on average is like 4% a year. So, I, you know, because I think all eight years we went to Crown Plaza, it always increased on some level. It was just a question of how much. And some years it went up a lot more than others. Other years it went up maybe, you know, a few bucks, so to speak. Um, you know, not not too terribly much. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is um, – you know, the next time we end up there, whether it's next year, the year before that, who knows? Uh, I tell you, I, I think I may make a you know a trip down to Crown Plaza. I know a lot of people. Again, going back to what we how we first started this particular conversation, a lot of people were kind of done with it. But like I said, that's the only home of G Fest you and I have ever known. There's been a lot of wonderful memories there. Um, well, and I know, me, and I. I know we kind of a sad time at the moment, and I know you and I have talked about that uh, when we do track to uh, G Fest from your uh, to Chicago from your place there that we would maybe spend like a day or two before going over to the Hyatt Regency uh, there, uh, just to sort of you know kind of get that nostalgia. Uh, mm-hmm. going before the, the whole convention starts. Yeah, I mean, we now I will have other housekeepers harassing me as far as whether or not I'm taking pictures. Taking pictures? <laughs> just, well, I, I will never let that go. I we'll mean, just have just, to see if that still happens over at the Regency. It probably will happen. They probably thought they could pick on me because I, you know, I kind of look like an 18, 19 year old kid. And it's like, no, double that. Like, <laughs> then you have my, then you have my age. So, you know, maybe, maybe just a uh, girl beard or something. 
Yeah, I'd be like, here's my license. You see that birth date there? <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot older than you think I am. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, um, I'm going to miss Crown Plaza. I mean, I could go on and on as far as reminiscing about Crown Plaza over these years. And then, um, and then the other thing, too, is that uh, we would have to walk a little bit of the longer distances just to get to that uh, entertainment yeah. center area there because i think the closest thing for us now would be the theater uh there and i know it's going to be a, a little bit of a longer trek just to go to that uh five rose pub thing that we always go to every mm-hmm. time when we go to chicago uh there but uh yeah it's gonna be a little bit of a longer trek just to get to some of those things this time around which probably be you know, yeah more of a pain but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for you know, to for me to end this part on my uh, on, on my part, um, but Hyatt Regency, I think there are that there are tons of possibilities with this. Um, but the sad thing is, is that yeah, I'm going to miss Crown Plaza. I mean, that's the only place I've known for G Fest to be during the eight years we have gone. Um, it's been a wonderful place. We made some friends with uh, you know a handful of the staff there, uh, including taking pictures woman um i I say that sarcastically um but um you know it it was a great place you know yeah it sucked when the air conditioners went out i agree and all that um no to me it's it's a bittersweet sort of thing i think it's a good thing they're moving because they need to they need the space um but at the same time, too, it's just like, man, you know, Crown Plaza was, you know, kind of the place. You know, we it seemed like every time we went there, we would go through those back doors after we parked our cars. It's like, wait a minute, weren't we just here a week ago? Like, <laughs> we yeah. got to know just about every nook and cranny of that place mm-hmm. uh, over the over the years, almost a decade. But and um, at sad, least, sad. <laughs> at least just be thankful that we're not going to be going too far away from crown plaza there un, un, unlike some of these other places where they probably relocate to a different city or different state for that matter yeah but to kind of transition over to some of the positives over this year and and even a tad bit into late you know kind of around this time last year there's been some silver lining to all this um Shell, we've had quite a few Ultraman series and films being released on the Blu-ray. Um, we've also back, what was it, um, well, late July? Well, had, and speaking and speaking of uh, the Ultraman, we finally have uh, Super Eye Productions' uh, official YouTube channel uh, premiering the new Ultraman series, Ultraman Z, which I'm actually going to be talking about that uh, in a little bit later on the show. Just my thoughts on it. But yeah, it's like they're not only releasing the new uh, TV show of Ultraman Z, but they're also showing some of the uh, retro TV shows on the YouTube channel as well. Yeah. And so you've got all that. We had at the end of July, the Gamera complete collection, the the whole one volume set that I talked about a number of months ago. Now they're re-releasing some of those into Showa and Heisei collections. And then, too, something that um, I think I had touched upon briefly a couple months back, but I think sort of flew a little bit under the radar for a lot of people because it is an obscure film, is Arrow, who brought out the Gamera series, um, 
uh, Warning from Space on Blu-ray as well. We finally, for the first time, have a more um, have a have a better presentation of the film, both in Japanese and uh, the English. And there is a commentary track I had talked about that. It's a weird commentary track because it stops at like a little over the one hour mark. Um, I don't know why it did. And I, part of me thinks that uh, because there's not a ton of information on the film. And so Stuart Galbraith, I think just kind of felt like there's no need to, track i'm not sure although i thought you could still talk about what's happening on screen i guess but um a very informative and yet interesting commentary track uh to to listen to as you watch like minutes of the film or however long it was um it was really good to have a better version of that film uh, because by and large, for years, all we had was the Alpha Video one. That and, was yeah, sort of weird. And yeah, and the Alpha Video uh, distributors notoriously, for me, anyways, notoriously known to have really poor quality uh, like uh, products as far as uh, the uh, the way that the video is, especially with the Gappa Video. Uh, DVD that I have. I think you gave that. One. I gave it to you, yeah. And, and it was just really poor quality, uh, film-wise. Yeah, I mean, basically, think of you know the old school VHS pan and scan with video artifacts, sound artifacts, and just transfer that over to DVD. I mean, that's kind of what you got without it, um, ever doing literally any work on trying to. Uh, clean the film well yeah and it you know the thing is alpha i I don't think they're even in business anymore Uh, i think they did for me i think as far as their covers especially the gamma ones that they've done in the past i really like their covers but their covers are good yeah yeah it's, it's just that they should have taken more time as far as cleaning the film but I think maybe around that time or something that they had, uh, I think it was Shout Factory or something that they also had rights to uh, the films as well. And I think maybe around the same time that they released uh, the better qualities of the film. Well, Well, and they had the licenses. I don't think Alpha technically did. Um, And not to mention, too, I think they were a much smaller company. They may not have had the capabilities to go in there and and effectively clean them if they did indeed have the transfers. But the thing is that they probably literally got them off of, of... I think the VHS copies and just kind of let it be uh, with Gamera warning from space and the upcoming invisible man films all from arrow. I think Dai has been a lot more easy to work with than uh toe. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I posted this week and a half, two weeks ago on our, uh, about, uh, the invisible man, the duology coming out onto Blu-ray from arrow arrow is now becoming kind of the new shout factory so to speak, where they're releasing a lot of these films um, that a lot of us kaiju tokusatsu fans really will um, enjoy. And well, I probably I wouldn't. Pre- I probably wouldn't say them being the next uh, Shout Factory. I probably would also uh, add uh, 
Mill Creek Entertainment in that uh, retrospect as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I give Mill Creek, um, you know, a a lot of crap, obviously, because I'm not a fan in terms of how they do the subtitles uh, with their Ultraman stuff. Hey, they're hometown. (laughs) They're they're my hometown. Darn it. I I don't care. Go knock on their door and tell them to fix the the whole subtitle things. That's driving me nuts. You do it. It's your thing. You're right there. <laughs> Go take your tablet and put my face up and I'll talk to him. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, Mill Creek, yeah, I will give Mill Creek props. You know, look, I'd rather have something than nothing. Uh, but at the same time, too, like I talked about with, you know, I think a couple times over this year with Mill Creek, with the subtitles, look, I feel like. Uh, roughly 40 to 50% of the time I'm getting gypped by them because I can't effectively read their subtitles 40 to 50% of the time, bare minimum. Um, But with Arrow and the upcoming Invisible Man films that are coming out next year, um, it's been a good year uh, for all of us. You know, I was never much of an Ultraman fan until about eight years ago. Um, I'm still a little reluctant to get into some of the newer stuff just because I like a lot of the the classic um, look of the Showa era type stuff with the monsters and the goofy stories. That's kind of where my really shines with with a lot of things not just kaiju but ultraman uh, and what have you that's kind of like the most that's not to say the heisei or the millennium isn't good i think they are it's just that i think to some degree the heisei millennium eras uh to try to take themselves a bit more seriously than the showa era used to um so, you know, for me, it's like, you know, the world is a dark and kind of scary place, uh, you know, enough as well, it is. We don't need uh, more real life stuff well, being played out in our entertainment. That's well, my and, thought on that. But And the, some of the earlier, newer stuff from Tiga and onwards, I think up until maybe right around uh, Ultraman X and maybe the the end project part um like some of the stuff were a little bit goofy in a way but they're trying to you know trying to make some of the stories a little bit more consistent episode per episode as uh time went on since uh tiga i believe and then as far as the end project that was right around the time when they were trying to reboot uh, Ultraman with the, I think it was the 2002 or 2004 uh, Ultraman film where they redesigned Ultraman there and then they did, I think, one or two TV shows in the End Project uh, era where they were trying to make it more serious in a way, but I think uh, they sort of gone away from that and I think there are some criticisms with that. I'm not entirely sure with that. I haven't really delved too deep uh, in it, but I think from uh, I think from Max, I think that was after the end project and onwards, they try to balance things out a little bit uh, with some of the comedy and then some of this serious stuff, obviously. And I think the last few years since I've sort of continually 
watched the newer stuff, Sands, uh, or with the exception of RB and Taiga, because uh, never had the chance to see those uh, streamed over here for whatever reason there was. That, um, yeah, there's. They started to sort of experiment with some of the storyline slash plot per series, and I think it gave the sh- uh, the whole show or t- uh, franchise a little bit more diversity as far as the story and everything. And then with uh, Ultraman Z, which I'll get into, and I'm not going to discuss anymore. I think uh, it's they've really improved. I would sort of say. Yeah, and, um, you know, I just – in the Gamera collection, those of you who saw my uh, segment – gosh, what was it? Maybe August? I want to say it was August when I covered With your little long spiel there. (laughs) That set came with a lot of stuff. Anybody who purchased that big initial set knows – how much material you got in there you're not you didn't just get the movies you got some collectible art cards in there um you got sort of a behind the scenes book uh on the series with a few extra uh, nuggets of 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 information in there as well you also had the entire dark horse run of gamera comics in there as well, which wasn't long, but my gosh, it still was really fun to have. And um, not to mention just the extras you got on the discs themselves. I, To me, the commentary tracks, with the exception of one, were fantastic. Um, you know, they were really well done and very informative. I learned an awful lot of, about the behind-the-scenes stuff of – again except one and you know i've been a gamma fan since late 90s early 2000s so for over two decades i've been a fan of this character and i've known just the absolute bare bones but i through those commentaries learned an awful lot about kind of the evolution of the character over the years and just sort of what its place was within japanese culture and pop culture um and just sort of obviously what was going on behind the scenes with Dai in terms of this installment this installment and then you transfer into the heisei what was Dai wanting to do with the character then as they entered into the to the mid 90s after like a year hiatus and then with the 2006 gamma the brave film kind of what was Dai thinking of there what were they trying to accomplish with that film you know what did they have uh, the, the did they have some sort of idea of maybe trying to have a, a another era of of gamma films going on there as well just because i i am a fan of this stuff and um, uh, do, we do we do have one question here from uh, george guzman uh, yeah he asked do you think that toho one day have a change of heart and release the dub versions of uh, the way Dai did with their features? Um, I don't know. Um, the thing is, is that with Toho, my understanding is that when they've done dubs, they've done international dubs. Like, for example, the best example of Toho doing dubs 
you look no further than the Heisei series from Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah through Godzilla vs. Destroya, and even uh, a handful of the Millennium films. Well, um, so in a technical sense, we have gotten dubbed versions. Uh, the Toho dub versions of some of those films. And I know a lot of people despise the, the 90s dubs uh, with the possible exception of, of Return of Godzilla and um, uh, Bailani, although I guess the recent Return of Godzilla that we've gotten on DVD and Blu-ray over the last three, four years, that's an international dub on there. It's not the New World Pictures dub, uh, the Roger Corman studio that you would get from Godzilla 1985, the American editor of that film. So um, I've seen that. And the uh, unfortunate thing is, is that a lot of people don't like those dubs. Uh, they, they don't believe the voice actors have a lot of personality to their characters. They're using handful of people to do multiple characters and on top of that too a lot of fans don't think they they really try to become their characters so to speak and it's emotion when they're expressing emotion to bring in about those nuances when a character is going through different phases of growth and decline etc um i'm not a huge fan of those 90s dubs either i don't think they're as terrible as a lot of fans say they are are they the best no are they are, are they the worst though no not really i mean i've i've heard worse um the dub that you get that we've gotten most of the time since the late 90s with Destroy All Monsters has been the international dub. Um, of course, that changed with a more recent Blu-ray release where you also had the older uh, dub. I don't know if that was done by Titcher or not. The um, one that older fans, fans who saw it either in theaters or on television back in the day grew up with, they think that's superior. I don't think it is. I think that one's actually worse than the international dub but then again i grew up with the international dub so <laughs> you know i have some biases there um yeah there's for me i think uh when it comes to the dub versions of a lot of these movies there's just certain kinds of dubs from these voice actors that i think that they just fit really well with the characters that they were assigned to for these movies yeah, and you know the the art of doing voice acting is sort of a lost art. It's how a lot of fans of kaiju well, the loss of pseudomation in many respects. Obviously, they're still being used on the animes and stuff nowadays. Yes, so. um, the thing is though, it's this isn't like the fifties, the sixties, and the seventies where you were importing a lot of. Japanese slash foreign films and you had these voice actors, career voice actors doing the work here um, it's a different time um, anybody that wants a dub they either go through the international dub in which some studios will provide oh because they understand Godzilla has a bigger reach than just Japan 
but not only that, like, for example, the Godzilla anime trilogy, that dub was done by Netflix. That was done. Toho didn't do any of that. You know, no third party did that. That was done in house with Netflix. And um, that, that's sort of the thing. It's just kind of like how um, you occasionally will see some people with the Ultraman sets being released by Mill Creek. How come they aren't providing some sort of dub? Well, the thing is that for a lot of these sets, there is no dub. There never was a dub because unlike the original Ultraman, well, yeah, like with the original Ultraman, they only just had maybe like just certain uh, audio from the dub version. Like if like you've seen in that one uh, DVD set that you have. And everything. Yeah. Certain areas where they didn't have the actual dub version of the audio for that. And they had to go switch over quickly, switch over to certain uh, time spots uh, from the dub version to uh, the original uh, Japanese language with some of the subtitling on there. And then once they had the, uh, and then back to the dub version. Yeah. And that's just, that's just kind of the thing, you know, Mill Creek understands that something like Ultraman, while they will sell a fair amount of sets, in fact, they sold out of a lot of their earlier sets when the pandemic started because people knew they were going to be home for a while. So why not buy something to watch for a while? Um, they understand the voice actors is still pretty expensive. Um, and, and they understand that their audience, they aren't dumb that their audience will be able to figure out, okay, you have one person doing two or three people here. You have another person doing another two or three people. Um, They understand their audience. I will give them that. Mill Creek understands that their audience is very keen stuff and recognizing it. Um, But the thing is, is, is it, are they going to kind of get their monies back at the very least, if not more importantly, make a profit on these things when they sell them? And I think in their eyes, and I think rightfully so, it's not worth the, taking the financial risk of paying uh, a handful of people how many thousands of dollars off when it's not going to be selling bonkers. You know, It's not like the latest superhero film from Hollywood where you're – you know for sure you're going to be making quite a few sales just on the on the physical releases uh, of these sets, and it's just cheaper to bring one or two people in to do subtitles. So, oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, and then I really can't think of anything else as far as this. But I know one of the other uh, good things that came out from uh, this year as far as 2020 is uh, besides uh, G-Fest canceling and stuff for this year, uh, we did have at least uh, Kyle Yount and then some of the other uh, known podcasts. uh, They've sort of come together and done their – this whole online convention. We sort of did two with uh, Daikaiju Fest right around the same time that uh, G-Fest was originally supposed to be uh, commencing. 
we got a question here. Uh, is Godzilla vs. Kong getting another delay? I thought that we would have seen a trailer or teaser by late December. My understanding is, is that the last delay was sometime like late summer, early fall, and the the current release date is May 21st of next year. So my understanding is it hasn't been delayed for another, it hasn't been delayed for like the last three, four months. Um, as far as a trailer and all that, I know a lot of people have been wondering about that. I don't know. I don't pay too close enough attention to that. I'm just one of those people that it'll show up when it'll show up. That, but the thing is, is that there's been no word from either Warner Brothers or Legendary on a trailer. My understanding is nobody from either of those camps has said there will be a trailer by such a time. Um, I think it's I just a lot of fan speculation going like from previous um, – history with other films saying well if a film's coming out by this point then by this date or by this period you should have a trailer that's not always the case um so um no i have not heard anything from warner brothers or legendary on a trailer that's all fan speculation uh at this point so the only thing that we do know as of right now is that uh warner brothers had their this uh six hour panel uh, long panel from this uh, CCXP convention that was down in Brazil, I believe. And then mm-hmm. they only just showed at least a few seconds worth of footage of both uh, Godzilla and Kong, which we just uh, talked about in our previous episode. And there's really not much besides just those uh, very short seconds worth of footage from uh the movie but as as far as what i've seen from that i think visual effects wise it looks pretty damn you know spectacular in my in my opinion yeah um i wouldn't worry too much about trailers i know we're all getting anxious for them um um i i in my personal opinion, we'll see a teaser probably within the next two to three weeks. That's just me speculating, though, um, because I would assume that probably before the end of January, we will get something by that point. Will we or not? I don't know. It's just sort of my personal spidey sense, so to speak, kicking in. Um, I mean, Warner Brothers and Legendary hasn't said or posted anything. Uh, I I wouldn't be, I, you know, I wouldn't be on the hunt for that or, or getting too anxious about it until it happens. Or just really um, don't have it linger in your mind for a whole lot. Yeah, I, I know that's easier said than done because we're all getting super excited about this and this thing has been delayed several times already. Um, but it, it'll it'll happen when it'll happen. Um, just. Be patient. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, just going about uh, this previous year, as far as us doing the whole uh, Dai Kaiju Fest, and well as uh, Kyle Yount doing the uh, Kaiju Con line there, and then some of the other well-known uh, podcasts, and then some of the uh, guest appearances on his. Uh, uh, online convention there as well as us doing things what did you like about 
the whole online convention experience, both what Kyle Yount did and what we sort of did for the uh, the two days. I mean, I like the fact that you can put a convention together. I mean, Kyle and and, and his group put theirs together over a longer period of time than, than we did because obviously ours was just you and I, you know, we didn't have numerous panels of, of different people. Ours was just something to sort of uh, at the time fill in a little bit of that void that was being missed of, of G-Fest. It was just to sort of bring in, to keep Kaiju excitement alive more or less. Um but what Kyle and, 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 and the people who worked with him did, I mean, that – and I don't know this for sure, but I'm almost positive it took like, – because let's see. I think G-Fest was officially canceled. Around middle of May, I believe. Yeah, somewhere in there. So then my guess is that probably within a matter of a few days to a week or two, Kyle – probably was like we need to do something about it and started quickly getting people together yeah my guess is that you're, you're probably looking at a month and a half ish worth of work uh on his part and and others thing put together and and all that and i'm very grateful that he reached out to us at one point uh asking if we could be a part of a panel but by that point you know we were already we were in the middle about of it, putting yeah. on our own together uh unfortunately and so well he still sort of out this year but sort of put us as part of the whole uh, kaiju con experience so um i think the one of the great things about it was that you got some sort of a convention Mm -hmm. uh it may not have been the convention that you were hoping for in terms of obviously being in person at a hotel and and mingling amongst fellow fans in person but by golly it was still something and it was actually done very well um you know what kyle and 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 his folks did uh, was absolutely amazing um, being able to put together all these different panels and even putting together um, kind of a dealer's room so to speak via uh, Facebook um, my understanding is people who were selling through that uh, online convention did make money so that's a success mm-hmm. Um I mean, I don't know how he did it. I don't have the wherewithal nor the patience nor the connections to put something like that together. Um, But it was done very well, very professional, very informative, very fun. Uh, I got in on most of it that particular weekend. And um, yeah, I, I just think too, especially with the online model, you have a further reach as well. Um, I am 100% willing to bet that you reached more people with that Kaiju Con line than obviously you could with people in person for many obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I sort of, I sort of, I think it was out. a huge success. Yeah, I sort of missed out the first uh, few hours uh, worth of Kaiju Con line because I was uh, doing a little day trip up uh, to Duluth there for about uh, several hours or so but i did uh fortunately see uh quite a bit of it um when i got back uh home there but uh yeah so it's it's uh 
Yeah, it was just sort of a little bit different this time around with G-Fest uh, canceled or pushed back to next year. But uh, it was at least good to see some of the familiar faces that you would typically see during uh, that time of the year. Uh, with them doing uh, certain panels here and there. But uh, yeah, it's... So it's just always good to see a lot of the people in person just to kind of get that uh, experience in a way. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just sort of that, you don't get that uh, certain feeling that you would do if you're in person meeting all these familiar faces and, you know, get the experience uh, certain things at a uh, convention in person than just seen uh things online yeah i mean really nothing else to say other than yeah it was just it was done really well and and i can only imagine how just difficult it was to to scramble people together so that they had enough time to do what they needed to do and to people to come on board and then put something together in about a month and a half ish uh to to not only make it work but to provide enough content and to make sure everybody had enough time to do what they needed to do to provide within the the online convention itself i mean it just um to me it had to be exhausting it's well, hard I enough know. for me just to get just to put was, one of these together, and we usually do ours every other week. Well, but. it was it was pretty exhausting once we got done with uh, the final day of uh, Daikaiju Fest. I remember, uh, I think it was either you or I both that we were, we just mentioned online. It's like I hope we don't do this again. <laughs> well, and I had fun doing it. The thing yeah. is, is that. Um, like I said, we didn't reach out to anybody else. Um, we didn't have the time uh, to really try to put something together that you know maybe was bigger. Not to mention, we just don't have the connections now. Granted, we didn't ask, but um, plus, we, I think we—if we did do it—we uh, just didn't really have a whole lot of time. Plus, we were just trying to come up with certain ideas as far as panels. Well, yeah, and I mean. We had back-to-back days, you know, of, of like, three-hour shows, basically. And, you know, that's exhausting, you know. It, it is. But, you know, thankfully ours was, was decently attended online. And, and uh, you know, ours wasn't as spectacular, but, you know, ours was just meant to sort of bring in uh, – just kind of the excitement. I mean, we, we never felt that we were replacing G Fest. It was more of just trying to trying to keep kind of that. insert some kaiju joy where there was none this year. Or just try to keep that whole uh, aspect of you know the whole convention feeling going right around that time, even along with uh, Kaiju Conline, which. I'm guessing it's a certain aspect that they were trying to go for as well. Yeah. I mean, again, I think they were successful. I mean, I was very, very impressed with, um, with what took place and how much content there was and just in general, what was available, even just outside the, the, the virtual convention, um, halls. So, 
just well done. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you don't have anything else as far as uh, to look back to on this year, I don't know if you want to talk about as far as what to look forward to in uh, 2021 here, or should we just... I'm going to just say this right now uh, as far as looking forward. And if you have sensitive ears, I advise you to cover them right now. This fucking pandemic ending. I am tired of it. I really am. I'm tired of the people dying. I'm tired of being cooped up. I'm tired of not being able to do the things that I normally do. So that's what I'm looking forward to is this dumb thing being done. Uh, we got a question. I am cautiously optimistic about Godzilla's singular point. Is this a one-season series? If successful, perhaps Netflix will order a season two. Um, Maybe you know a little bit more about this than I do, Jason. My understanding is that this is a miniseries. I don't think this is supposed to be a I, show. I think it might be a miniseries. I'll have to look. I'm looking it up right now. I would say Sci-Fi Japan would have more information at this. But when it comes to Netflix, if they do regular uh, like regular series and stuff. I know they're sort of notoriously known to do maybe uh, a season or a couple or a few, and then they just all out of the middle of nowhere, they just decide to cut or cancel a, a TV show when it's uh, everything's getting good. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that's going to be the case if this is going to be a regular uh, series. Um, let me just, uh, what I'm seeing here, um, according to Wikipedia is that it is an anime television series, um, out in Japan, April, 2021. So I guess it is a TV series. Yeah, it just I says all new, series. yeah, it just says all new anime, uh, original series so doesn't really say anything as far as a mini series so um if successful will it be a season two Uh, if it is indeed a television series yeah why not i mean if they're getting eyeballs and all that sure but Um, i'm not not gonna hold up to uh netflix because they're sort of notoriously known when the series gets really good that they somehow for whatever reason that they tend to axe or cancel uh, TV shows. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised when it comes to Netflix. The only thing – I love Netflix, but the one thing I dislike about them is, is that if they license – not license, but if they um, – well, I guess, yeah. If they license something like um, the Anime Godzilla trilogy, for example, that they hold on to those licenses for a very long time, and it – and an awfully long time to see that stuff come out onto home video here in the states, um, and and I don't know if we will ever see the anime trilogy officially come out here in the states. I hope we do. Although we um, do have, was it the international version? I think it was uh, Malaysian, but DVD copies. It's the thing, though. If you're wanting home video copies of some of this stuff, you got to go elsewhere and hope that maybe if there is even a dub available initially, that you that that dub is included on that set. Um, with Netflix, is that will we ever see the anime trilogy officially get released here in the states? 
I don't know, but time will tell. And the thing is, they hold on to those licenses for many years, like four or five years or something. I don't know. It's it. They hold on to them for a long time. And like I said, that's the reason why we have not seen an official anime release here because that they still hold on to that thing as long as they're having it on their streaming services. We're not going to see any sort of official release of something like that here in the states. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I probably want to get your hopes up. And two, it just all depends on the eyeballs that watch the TV show. So you're just going to have to wait and see when it gets to that point. Yeah. And I mean, again, having something is is better than nothing. But my disappointment with Netflix, again, is I like the home. I like the physical release stuff. You probably can't see it here, but I got a whole – you know, a, a part of a big shelf full of DVDs and Blu-rays. I got some oh, over here and then, as and then well. It's just, uh, I've got a whole case full of DVDs and Blu-rays here just the back of me there. Yeah, and I, and I like the home video. And I'm fine if it's on, like, streaming services for maybe a year or something like that. But it's like I eventually want my Blu-ray or DVD. And like I said, until Netflix – stupid little rule that they have it's seen something like the anime trilogy and this new singular point of come out officially in the states on home video it's going to be a long time Mm -hmm. i would say the same thing when it comes to that uh ultraman uh, anime show that they also have on netflix as well and they did uh, i forgot about that they did the second season to that and I think since, uh, gosh, I think somewhere in early 2019, I decided to unsubscribe from Netflix because I didn't really see much as far as anything new uh, in that regard. I still need to go back and finish that Ultraman anime. (laughs) I haven't really resubscribed to Netflix ever since. And then with with there being some uh, controversies recently going on with Netflix, I just sort of haven't really gone back. But uh, maybe one of these days down the road, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as far as what to look forward to in 2021, is there anything else that you have in mind? Or- I mean, obviously Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I, I told you... But um, we're Xfinity cable customers, and so we get HBO Max as part of our cable subscription service. So I'm all set for all these wonderful Warner Brother releases, and I'm being serious. I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. There's a lot of their movies I'm looking forward to this next year. Um, in fact, I just saw Wonder Woman the other day. So um, – um, I'm looking forward to seeing like all these superhero ones. There's a new Mortal Kombat movie coming out next year too. I'm anxious to see. Obviously, Godzilla versus Kong, um, and being able to see those in the comfort of my own home for a month um, is something I'm really anxious to to see. You know, because we life has to move on to some degree during a pandemic, and excuse me, and a lot of these studios will hit. And yeah, a lot of these films are still going to go to the theaters. Are they going to make much money? No, because, well, we're in a pandemic. Um, 
you know, and they're going to take a hit, but it's like, look, we're not just going to keep these things sitting on a shelf uh, because for a while there, no one knew how long it was going to take to get a vaccine. They were saying anywhere between 12 to 18 months. Well, by and large, you had a couple companies get one certified within nine months. So I, I think you're definitely going to be different on that front here going into next year. Um but still, just being able to see them in the comfort of my own home, I get 30 days to watch them, and um, you know, I don't have to worry about going to a theater, maybe picking up COVID and stuff like that. Um, would I prefer to see them in the theaters? Of course. Uh, however, I will say um, – I don't have surround sound, but I got one of those sound bars with a subwoofer deal. Um, Wonder Woman 84 had superb sound quality. Like I, to some degree, it felt theater quality. It was very, very good. How they were able to do that uh, was amazing. Like it, it felt like you got some of the theater experience doing you know watching it through HBO Max. It was incredible, um, but it. I'm just looking forward to these movies. I'm looking forward to getting the fuck out of this pandemic. Um, um, and then, I'm, and I, then, I'm looking forward to normalcy is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's uh, sort of uh, funny that you uh, mentioned about uh, the whole aspect of the online streaming and then the whole theater experience when it comes to Godzilla vs. Kong, because I know that's one of the main topics on my list here, but... Uh, let me just sort of uh, put in my comments here of what to look forward to to uh, 2021. Is obviously, as Kent mentioned, uh, Godzilla vs. Khan finally uh, get around to seeing, uh, finally seeing that film after uh, probably a little over a year or so since uh, March there. But um, and then of course uh, finally try to get to uh, G Fest there. Uh, seeing some of the familiar faces hopefully um and then yeah just try to get things uh back to normal here um although i sort of been trying to do uh, some of the same usual things but you know as well as well as wearing the mask you know living in minnesota with all the rules and stuff that they've got here because uh, recently they've uh, closed up uh indoor or in dine-ins and everything so now it's take out again um but uh yeah so just try to do some of the normal things uh here and there as much as i can um but yeah as well as trying to travel uh next year more as much as i can um so yeah, so it's just mainly just try to get things uh, back to normal, uh, sort of thing. But um, yeah, as far as um, the experiences, as far as watching Godzilla vs Kong, this is one of the things that I put on my list, and I think just probably start delving in specifically. Uh, I wanted to talk about at least the pros and cons of seeing Godzilla vs. Kong streaming the pros versus, and cons <laughs> uh, streaming versus uh, theater experiences and um, as far as the, the pros and everything as far as the theater 
I mean, you get to go with uh, friends. You get the, you know, that whole theater experience where you don't get it as much compared to uh, when you're at home and everything. But as far as the cons of uh, theater going, it's just the pricing of the tickets just to go to just to see one movie and it's and then they've got some of these other experiences when it comes to like the IMAX experience, uh, 3D experience, which I know they're sort of waning a bit, but they still have those things. Well, and then, of course, the, the IMAX 3D thing, which is still going on and everything. <laughs> and then just dealing with with for some of those that are out there that they have to deal with so many people and everything. So what do you got here? We got a question here. Uh, curious. What was the last movie you saw in the theater? Mine f- was fathom events presentation of the original King Kong back in March. Then a couple of days later, they shut down all the movie theaters. Um, my, my me, last, last movie I saw was Rambo last blood September of last year. <laughs> my uh, last theater experience was just a little over a year ago and that was uh, the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker <laughs> uh, movie so yeah that was that was the last one and I was just and I decided to just hold off and wait till Godzilla First Con was going to arrive in theaters but of course I obviously got pushed back um, to May of this year and then obviously you know the whole ordeal with that uh thing so it's been obviously a little over a year for both of us since our last uh theater experiences i i don't go to movies in theaters a whole lot um a lot of it's just because i got young kids and trying to work around that it can be difficult um so anymore when i go into a film it's usually because it's something i really want to see like it's a character or a type of film or whatever that i want to see um like i went and saw infinity war what was it that, that came out what spring of 2018 or something like that um 2019 no no, no yeah no, 2018 yeah and i got burned by that i didn't like it and so i never went and saw endgame i never felt like i had to go see it because i'm like infinity war sucked so I don't want to go see it. Uh, but I went and saw Meg in August of 2018. I'm like, it's a friggin' giant shark movie. Of course I'm going to go see it. And it, it's, it's, it's entertaining. It's not a film, but it's a fun film. And But yeah, it's like, and then I'm a huge Stallone fan. So I'm going to, any movie that he gets in theaters, I'm going to go try and see. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what are your sort of uh, pros and cons as far as... Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong with uh, streaming versus theater-wise? For me personally, because I saw Wonder Woman here the other day, one of the pros is that the sound quality is amazing. Like, uh, if you have even a remotely halfway decent speaker system or whatever, um, you're going to get some good sound quality. (laughs) Excuse me. So, yeah, it's obvious, unless you got or something like that um it's not going to be 100 percent theater perfect uh but it comes awfully close like i said all we got is a sound bar with a subwoofer 
for put um you know behind one of the 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 pieces of furniture in our family room and i was just really impressed with the quality of the sound the picture quality was amazing though too the fact that i could see it in the comfort of my own home without having to spend bajillions of dollars on snacks i can go pee while pausing the film and not miss a darn thing uh, that's a positive i had to do that a couple of times the other day with wonder woman um experience though is is a great experience because um, first and foremost even though I don't like sitting through a ton of trailers it is on some level kind of nice to see what other films may be coming up because there may be something that will interest you um, so there's that also the sound quality is you know it's just superb you're not going to get anything better than that yeah, the, um, the just thing- to see it with a lot of other people you get to experience um the joys the sorrows the laughter and all that with other people you kind of feed off of some of the other people's energy uh at times times as well and and you're in a dark room with nothing more than this large screen so you're immersed you are 100% focused on what's in front of you so there's that but um I could get used to this home theater viewing thing (laughs) I do you know I'm not complaining I I do like it for me I only just have a the soundboard subwoofer here and and then, of course, luckily, I do have a 4K TV basically right next to my computer here. But um, although uh, the one con that I have is that uh, pro- with me living in an apartment and stuff and then got people living upstairs, although I don't have anyone below me since I'm living in a, a sub-basement sort of uh, part of the building here, um, though I wouldn't be able to experience like the loud... Um, sort of sounds and stuff from a regular theater here so that to me that's sort of the downside for me especially uh, living in an apartment here but as far as the whole pro thing um, with uh, God's Ulfers Com being on stream I mean you get to see it you know in the comfort of your own home without really having to spend money, although you'd probably be spending uh, the subscription I, I pay it through my with, cable bill. <laughs> uh, for me, I I am a Comcast, but I don't really have the, the sort of the luxury with it included. Um, I only just have the internet portion uh, subscription through Comcast or Xfinity, uh, however you go by. Um, but if you subscribe to it monthly on HBO Max, I mean, that's probably the only thing you'll be paying monthly is subscription part, which is 15 bucks a month. Um, so you're only just really not paying just the one ticket for one certain movie through HBO Max. I mean, you're just paying for the entire thing. So 
<laughs> you know, like probably paying pennies. <laughs> well, and the thing is, at least with HBO Max, with these theater, these, these theatrical releases, you get 30 days to watch them as many times as you want. Um, would I like a two or three month thing? Sure. But you know what? I'm not going to argue with a 30 day thing because that still gives you plenty of time to get in there and to watch a thing as much as you want. So I'm not going to complain too much about that. that. That's still pretty cool to to get it for 30 days and, and to watch and, it as many times as you want. And uh, besides paying uh, the subscription, uh, the monthly subscription to HBO Max just to see this. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, not only you get this, but you get uh, you know films or TV shows to the other, uh, like the whole Warner Media library that they will be added on to this whole uh, streaming service, uh, for that matter. But um, for me, the downside uh, to this one, besides. Uh, messing out the whole uh, theater experience if you're if you are one of those that uh, sort of uh, not wanting to take the risk of going to the theater sort of missing out that whole theater experience you know going with friends and, uh, and then obviously seeing it on this humongous uh, screen and everything because I know with some of us uh born maybe in the late 80s and or 90s like some of us uh here we haven't really experienced a godzilla movie as much in the theaters whereas some of those uh some of the people that have lived for decades and stuff that have probably seen these uh like movies in theaters uh and the like whereas us I would say the first guys love movie that we've seen in theater was the 98 version. And then mm-hmm. a couple or so years later, it was the, uh, the two th- the Godzilla 2000. And then we didn't really see another Godzilla movie in theaters up until the 20, uh, the 2014, uh, iteration of Godzilla. So it's sort of nice to see, uh, these, uh, movies and theaters because obviously we're going to see these movies uh, when they're released onto DVD and Blu-ray or uh, uh, 4K that sort of aspect because I mean you get many many years of experiences of watching them on uh, TV after them being released in theaters and that's sort of the thing that um, I would like to see is just the theater experience mm-hmm. um, of seeing this movie. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe when this whole thing is done, uh, there may be a point in time in which some of these films will get a limited theatrical run. Um, it's very possible. Mm-hmm. And then the oh. other, th- and then the other thing too is that um, we made. As far as a whole box office thing, it's pr- probably like really effed up. <laughs> this kind of yeah, I mean that's that's gonna that's gonna be the one thing, especially as far as if 
Legendary is going to move forward, expanding the whole MonsterVerse or what have you. And then I know uh, one of the more recent news I heard about that uh, Warner Brothers is going to was offering uh, potentially offering Legendary two hundred and fifty million dollars just to keep uh, Godzilla vs Kong for the thirty days on HBO Max. Um, I'm not sure if that is true or not, but um, that was one of the things I've heard. So, and I know the budget for it was uh, under the two fifty million, for that matter. So, it would at least make a budget. Or I would let me rephrase that. At least it would make a profit. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Well, and that's, that's the thing, like, all of these studios that have released films uh, during this pandemic have lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way they could make the money would be through um, digital downloads and the purchase of the physical copies of the films once it got to that point. And my understanding, like, um, one of the first films to really come out during the pandemic was Trolls World Tour. And that movie, um, I think it was a rent initially. I think that's what it was. It was a rent. And along with that, it was uh, Scoob as well. Yeah. And we're one of the first ones. And I know I've uh, rented the Scoob movie and watched that one. But then I think. Uh, as far as the Trolls World Tour one, I think I just saw that. I think I might have seen that one on Hulu. Or I think I might have rented it also on uh, Amazon Prime. But standing, if I remember, was that Trolls World Tour during its theatrical run, quote unquote, actually did pretty darn well um people were really surprised as to the amount of money it made just from like a rent and at the same time i guess on some level now that you think about it in hindsight it makes perfect sense you know it was in the early days of the pandemic uh, a lot of scary stuff was going on we didn't know a whole lot about what we were dealing with and you know people were looking for some sort of entertainment and you know here comes this family movie and family movies always tend to do pretty well for the most part and you know people are like why not you know our kids are home from school uh because school got interrupted and um you know, we just need something. And my understanding too is when it came time for the home release, it did well in both the the load and the physical home video release as well. And in fact, physical release uh, of films and shows did very well this year because of the pandemic. Um, I, in my Amazon wish list, had a handful of films I had sitting in there for quite a while that I've been meaning to purchase. And at one point during the middle of the summer, you know, like a couple months into this pandemic, I'm like, you know what? I might want to go in and buy one or two of these. Come to find out they were all sold out of those films at the time. I'm like, what the hell? And I started thinking like, well, of course, it makes sense. We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are home. People want something to, to entertain themselves with. Um, so, fit, you know, home 
Two, going back to Mill Creek and the Ultraman stuff, there was a period of time in which all the Ultraman stuff that had been released up to the point that this pandemic started, all of those were picked up and gone. They were sold out everywhere. So we're looking for stuff to watch and just to kind of get away from reality. Um for a while so i mean don't ever let anybody tell you physical media is dying is it is it taking a hit sure yes but to say it's dead or whatever no it's not true sure the pandemic has helped it an awful lot but it was still doing pretty decently um even before the pandemic hit yes the pandemic has sort of inflated those numbers uh, and all that but i think People during the course of this pandemic, uh, you're going to see a lot of people, I think, value physical media and stuff a lot more than what they initially did. Mm -hmm. And then I know there are uh, certain streams, uh, for example, Disney Plus, where they uh, decided to release the film Mulan onto their stream. But not only sort of uh, have it for free they uh, added it I think it was uh, an additional 15 or possibly 30 bucks on top of your uh, uh, monthly subscription so you have to pay that separately and that's sort of one of the uh, controversies that uh, came about when that uh, movie obviously came out it's like Obviously, you're paying a subscription fee, but then it's like, I'm not going to pay the extra 30 bucks just to see another movie, which uh, overall it bombed after the controversies and stuff around that movie sort of came out. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and then I think after that, some of the other streaming services, even Disney Plus themselves, you know, with uh, the recent release of Soul, which I actually watched uh, last night. By the way, that one's pretty good. Um, they, they're just like we're not going to do like this additional uh, it's payment on top of your monthly subscription. Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost, if you're going to do something that stupid, um, you only should charge the people who like actually watch it. Um, Second of all, here's the thing, and and this is sort of a side tangent for me. I think it's really, really dumb that all of a sudden now we are seeing so many of these networks with their own premium streaming services saying, you you know, you want to watch your favorite programs or get this, this, and that. Come and spend an extra twenty bucks or whatever on our service and you get all this stuff and the thing is is that okay first and foremost if if you're a subscriber to either cable or satellite you're paying a pretty hefty bill every month anyways and you in some cases although like i said in my case i get hbo max as part of my my regular service so it's not costing me any extra for that thank god um but you know, for maybe someone who doesn't have that sort of service, they're paying an extra fifteen bucks a month for something like that. Or Disney Plus, I think, is costing like seventeen bucks a month. Unless, uh, unless if you have uh, Hulu and like uh, live TV through there, you get a discount on Disney Plus, which would be eight bucks. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that um, I just think it's it's so dumb because you're, you're going to get to a point where people, I think, are going to be paying just about as much, if not more, for these premium services than they will their cable and satellite bills. And then on yeah. top of that, too, there are different ways to try to obtain some of them. Like HBO Max, for example, my understanding is I don't think you can get it through the TV unless you have some sort of cable or satellite provider that is carrying it. Otherwise, you can only get it through your computers and tablets and that sort of stuff. Well, and then unless if you have a smart TV like I do, because they've got uh, certain apps to access these, or unless if you have a Roku or the, like, was it Chromecast or the Amazon Fire Stick? Well, and that's the thing too. Like, like let's say you got Chromecast. Are you going to be able to get something like what is it, Discovery Plus, through there? You know, are you going to get some of these other? premium networks through something like that oh no you got to go buy this device to get your discovery plus and your cuckoo kachoo premium over here like it just and you're and those aren't cheap either like you typically have to provide some baseline price for that sort of thing too and you know, this is going to be the end of my tangent. I think it's dumb. I think it's nickel and diamond, everybody. These networks are getting very greedy, especially Disney. I mean, I love Disney. They do, by and large, make some pretty good memorable programming and all that. Um, quite a number of their films and shorts over the years. They even have a number of shows that my kids even right now love to watch. But I hate the fact that they virtually own, like, 50 to 60 percent of the cinema more or less right now i mean it just i know that's sort of an exaggeration but it's not that far off um but it's just it boggles my mind because we have these companies that are too big they you know for example disney should not have been allowed to buy 20th century fox uh, i think to me it was crossing the line when they bought uh lucasfilm and then the marvel uh studios i, I thought right there that was trust laws left and right um and now they got 20th century fox and all that i'm just like holy shit like now they own predator and aliens and die hard and all that stuff and home alone now i'm just like are you kidding me you know and it's just how and and some of that stuff you can't get on other services like you could occasionally get some disney stuff via netflix well when disney plus came along they're like nope do that and and again, it's like I don't want to spend seventeen bucks just to get a handful of stuff. And well, then with as as you mentioned earlier, with a bunch of these networks, potentially with this whole streaming war thing going on, and I've noticed this too a while back, maybe a year or so ago, that it just feels like I'm literally paying a bit too much for some of these whole streaming services to where it's like I haven't gone back to Netflix and then I've unsubscribed to was it Crunchyroll and I sort of was on Verve which is uh, built by Crunchyroll 
with a better UI experience and everything. And and plus, I I can actually watch some of the anime stuff on for for free, even on Crunchyroll for free, along with commercials and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to unsubscribe to this. I can still watch this stuff for free with commercials and everything. And it's gotten to the point as of right now, the only thing I have a subscription to is uh, Disney Plus, which I get a discount through my Hulu, which I get live TV through. And that subscription thing, I'm going to unsubscribe here within the next month or so after uh, college football or Super Bowl uh, come around. And and that's going to be it for me for the next uh, several months. So, so I don't particularly spend a whole lot on subscriptions anymore like I did in the past. Well, yeah, like Don Tween says here, there will always be a need for physical media. I'm not crazy about subscribing to multiple streams just to watch a few movies. Same here. I mean, the here's the thing, and this is going to be the last thing I'm going to say about these streaming services, these premium streaming services. You know, people for many years have been complaining with both cable and satellite, you're paying all this money for channels that you don't watch, right? Premium services you're getting, people are going to quickly, if, if they haven't figured it out already, they're going to soon enough find out that I am paying this much money for a service in which I may only watch one or two shows or maybe a couple movies, and by and large, I don't really touch much at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then cable, satellites sort of discussion with these premium network services yeah and like anymore i just only subscribe to uh hulu but which i think after this i'm probably going to move over to fubo several months down the road uh, sometime next year simply because of the pricing and everything um, but there are other uh apps where i just need a uh, sort of the TV provider, which Hulu, Fubo, um, was it Slain, and some of these other internet TV providers um, are part of. So you can at least just sign up with uh, just as long as you're a provider from those uh, services, as far as like the ESPN uh, app, uh, the Fox Sports app, and I think a couple others where you just need your uh, login to these. Uh, TV providers uh, along with internet TV and you can just access things uh, that way and you don't even have to really pay anything except for your internet subscription to like Fubo or Hulu or YouTube TV or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think because of the pandemic and because this stuff is still so relatively new um People, I, I think few people have seen what we are talking about at this point. Um, but I think soon enough, you're going to see, to say, I'm spending this money and I'm only watching one thing or what. And for some people, that may be fine. Like I know the Mandalorian's really popular on Disney Plus. For some That's people, just to, just to spend seventeen bucks to watch that is is worth it. I mean, okay, that's fine. You know, if that's what you want to do with your money, then so be it. At but least, at least that's it's it's worth the eight bucks for me at least, just for the Mandalorian because I've been watching that. And that's pretty good, and as well as some of the other ones I've seen. Uh, Onward, which 
that one also uh, came out on we got that on blu-ray <laughs> yeah on uh disney plus because that was supposed to come out this year in theaters and they put that on uh, disney plus that one's pretty good yeah it's not bad but uh but yeah other other than that it's just it's gotten to the point after uh netflix started doing the streaming thing uh several years ago and now all the networks are doing their own thing it's just gotten to the point where it's just getting too convoluted and there's gonna be a day of reckoning it's gonna be a number of years it's gonna be five ten years down the road when people are like i said enough people are going to be like why am i spending all this money for little content and the fact that a lot of people are going to be screaming i want this content i want that content but i would have to pay an extra 15 or so dollars to get it and i don't want to do that you used to be on cable or satellite why I do that, but let's get back to Kaiju. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like I know uh, as far as pros and cons, uh, streaming versus theater uh, wise, as far as uh, the cons for Godzilla vs. Con here, um, is that uh, what's going to be the outcome after this movie is released since now that with the whole box office thing is being screwed up. Cause I know the box office thing sort of determines, uh, whether the movie's going to be good or bad. And if there's going to be a sequel to this. So now with the whole situation here, is there potentially going to be, uh, an expanding monster verse now with the whole pandemic thing. And then now with, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong going on to streaming as well as going into theaters. Is there going to be a monster verse after this? Well, the thing is, is that every studio is going through something like this. I mean, I don't think that will be the first time Warner Brothers gone through something like that during the pandemic. All, all these other studios are, if if they haven't already faced it, they will be facing it soon. Um, and they understand that, look, the, the whole money aspect, we're going to take a hit on this. They, many of these studios have acknowledged that. I mean, they're, they're already saying, look, we will lose money on these, but we're not going to just set these things on a shelf. Got to try to get these things out at some point. And um, I, I think far, part, far as after. If right. But my point is that because of that, I think determine expansions or continuations will be um, – I think it will be fan response to a lot of things more than anything else. It will be fan response, uh, digital downloads when that becomes available, and also physical media uh, de- uh, purchases too, your Blu-rays, your DVDs, and all that stuff uh, when that happens. Um, and I just think, too, just sort of speculation on the studios themselves, One, you know, thinking, hey, we got this um, you know, license here. We got these properties. 
um, do we think we can milk a little bit more out of these or not? My thing is that when it comes to the MonsterVerse specifically, is that I don't think we're going to see a continuation of it. Um, because I think this Godzilla versus Kong initially, even before this pandemic came in, was supposed to be the final chapter in this 2014 through now storyline, you know, and that's supposed to be that. I could be wrong about that. Maybe they will change their mind on that, perhaps, if, if this thing at least, you know, does okay in terms of digital downloads, Blu-ray sales, and is given a bunch of thumbs up by the fans. Um, they may do a continuation. My understanding would be if they continue a sort of a monster verse, it's going to be sort of a reset button. Um, that if we do see anything, it's going to be three to five years after this film. Um, but even if they do decide to continue uh, this storyline in some fashion, my theory is that it still will at least three years before we even see a sequel. Uh, part of that is going to be because, again, monsters are a niche sort of group. Um, you can bring in general audience up to a point, but by and large, um, you're only going to attract so many uh, you know, people coming in to see these films. So there's that. Um, two, um, with the, the pandemic and everything, I think some studios with some projects, potential projects anyways, uh, may want to just wait and let things settle down on that front before maybe even considering moving forward on expanding anything. Because like I said, my understanding was Godzilla vs. Kong was going to be the door closing shut on this whole thing, that this was it. And I, like I said, money talks and that can always change. But um, – <laughs> Regardless, even if this thing does really well and is well received, even by both fans and critics at 100%, you know, um, it, at the bare minimum, we're looking at three years before we may see anything at all uh, relating to the MonsterVerse, whether it's a continuation or a whole new resetting of this. Yeah, for me, I've, in my opinion, I think there, pro there could have been potentially – uh, being an expansion after Godzilla versus Khan, but ever since with the whole pandemic uh, thing came into play earlier uh, this year, I think it really has obviously dampened uh, the whole process of how that they were going to move forward um, after Godzilla versus Khan and everything. And yeah, sort of like you, I think with everything that has currently gone into play, I think it's probably just has uh, set back the whole MonsterVerse at least a few years, if not maybe five years at best. Well, and then Toho was wanting to do their own sort of MCU type of deal as well. Um, and they may take the license away. I don't know what the licensing is for Legendary and Warner Brothers for Godzilla. If it expires after this film, then it's up to Toho as to yeah. whether or not they – they or, or what have you. I mean – there's a bunch of things we don't exactly know yet. I'm guessing that they might have had some talks too with that before the pandemic. 
um, hit, and then once that did, they probably sort of maybe put it on pause or like we'll just have to wait and see how everything uh, pans out um, after everything sort of starts to go back to normal. And then two, and then two with the contract, we don't even know the specifics of how long Legendary and or Warner Brothers has licenses to well, yeah, and, and, Godzilla and then some of these monsters. And here's the thing. I last I knew, I'm not even entirely sure when Toho was even looking to start releasing slash producing their own set of MonsterVerse films. And with that being said, if they're wanting to do their own series or franchise, they're not going to want to compete with a big blockbuster Hollywood budget film that is of the same character title mm-hmm. character anyways they're not going to want to do that because then their film is going to be looked uh, upon as less than and is not going to put as many butts or in the seats yeah. or, or what have you as this bigger hollywood thing that has bigger actors bigger stars larger promotional budget etc i mean you name it hollywood's going to have the advantage over them and you know, it, it wouldn't matter regardless of whether the movie was well received or not. Um, but they're not going to want to go toe to toe the Hollywood version of their own property um, because it's going to make their own thing look less than and just not do as well financially. And on top of that, too, it's going to saturate the market. You know, and we've seen this numerous times, just even in the last like 30 or so years. How many properties have come out in film form, saturated the market, and then that was it? Like, we didn't see anything of some of these properties again for a long time because we just kept seeing, like, year after year, even every couple of years or so of, of films. Um, you know, coming out and just people eventually getting tired of them. Uh, we have a, a comment here. Getting back to Kaiju, Monster Hunter was a Toho co-production. Do you think that uh, Toho will continue doing this? And once the Legendary series is over, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just like we were talking about, they have, for a while have had plans uh, to do their own sort of uh, MCU type of deal with Kaiju. Um, I don't think a whole lot of details are out yet, and I don't know if that's just because Toho themselves isn't exactly sure how they're going to do it. Um, either that or they're keeping quite a bit of stuff secret. Uh, but my understanding is it's going to be um, a solo film here and there, and then uh, maybe a, a budding up film with Kaiju as well periodically, and then sort of of a coming together of an Avengers type of story with all the kaiju uh, involved. But yeah, Toho is planning on doing that. It's just a question of when <laughs> and how are they going to do that. Yeah, and as far as uh, Monster Hunter, I know I've only just seen uh, the trailers and everything. And I think it'd be interesting to take a look at once that movie comes out. And as far as... You know, as far as continuing, if they're going to do Monster Hunter, if if that's one of your questions, um, we'll just have to wait and see. It, it all just comes down to uh, as far as the eyeballs and if there's uh, any positive reviews uh, going about uh, Monster Hunter and everything, too. So. It's just a wait and see. Yeah. Obviously, we might 
Uh, we'll probably do some sort of review on it on a particular episode, too. We'll, obviously, we'll have to discuss about it if we're going to do that or not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's just depends on the reviews and the, uh, the eyeballs and everything. Yeah, I would love to see Monster Hunter. I've never played any of the games, although I do have one of them. I think it's Monster Hunter Stories, I think, is what I got on yeah, 3 and I've, I know I've heard about it, but I've never played any of the games. I think, wasn't there some kind of manga or anime? I'm not too entirely sure. So I'm not sure. Uh, it always seemed like a, a, a fairly interesting story but I just have never had the time to go seek it out and I go it was about but this I, first of all I'm a Mia, I'm a huge Mia Jovovich fan um, I think she's pretty hot um, and, and I also think she's an actress but not only that I mean I look at the I look at uh, bits of, of film that I've seen via trailers and stuff it's like seems like it'd be something i'd be interested in and so. so so yeah apparently there is an anime it's called a uh, monster hunter stories right on and then there's a uh, manga slash comics uh you know such as monster hunter orage that's uh done by condensia and capcom capcom back in 2008 and then of course the card games as well and then some animated specials, and then of course the movie uh, as <laughs> well. So, so yeah, there is uh, quite a, quite a bit of mediums based on Monster Hunter here. Yeah. Did you have anything else to add, or did we want to move on to our next topic here? Um. Yeah. Obviously, as far as the whole outcome with. Godzilla vs. Kong coming on to um, streaming and theater wise uh, I think this time around is not with everything that's been going on currently I think box office numbers isn't going to really um, matter as much anymore and then of course with Toho's as they call it the world of Godzilla I think that's the official title of it. Uh, I, yeah, I just don't really know the whole uh, future of Monsterverse at this point in time, especially with Toho wanting to do their own cinematic universe of all the kaiju that they have in their arsenal. So I probably would have to say that uh, this could poss- possibly be the final. Uh, monster first fi- uh, film that they've got for the time being for a while anyways yeah, yeah. all right with that um i want to give my overall thoughts and review of neo ultra q um this is a 12 episode series it had originally debuted in 2006 and it had originally come out here on blu-ray like back in August, I believe it was. Yeah, I think um, I might have seen uh, seen that a while back. And, and until I, the the whole uh, Mill Creek Entertainment. 
Yeah. And I had been wanting to watch it because I'm like, look, it's 12 episodes. Um, I don't have a ton of time to like go through long series unless I'm willing to take the time to go through those long series. Uh, but I needed like a little buffer. And I uh, thought, you know what? The, you know, the a 12 episode series is something that's not going to take me long. It'll take me like two days to get through. And so I watched it. And here is sort of my overall thoughts new ultra q excuse me i'm a fan of the original 1964 ultra q series produced by suraya productions it more or less was the twilight zone meets the outer limits with the little x files sprinkled in excuse me Oh, it just seems like I got a burp or something. It features kaiju, aliens, ghosts, beings from alternate dimensions, and much more. When I was ready to start my journey into New Ultra Q, a show that dubbed itself as the second season to the original, I was excited and hoped to have some continuation of what took place with the original. In this incredibly short 12 episode series, I was surprised that while in some ways it did continue some of the foundational aspects of Ultra Q, it really was its own series. Kaiju don't exist in this particular universe. Sure, we hear the word kaiju used throughout, but according to the subtitles, the word means ogre in the context of this show. That makes sense given that most of the creatures we see are ogre-ish in appearance. We do see some decent-sized gastropods later in the series, a couple of aliens, an evil deity, and some robots. Neo-Ultra-Q sets itself apart from its predecessor by bringing in commentaries on the human condition in society philosophical in its storytelling while ultra q was a bit more about telling a fun story which there is nothing wrong with that the series tends to be fairly deep in its commentary and went head-on with some challenging topics to tackle some of the topics include death the meaning of freedom what makes someone something beautiful why democracy is the best form of government environmentalism mankind's ignorance love and much more these topics are covered multiple times, but usually in smaller form in other episodes that want to tackle a different different topic. The stories can get heavy at times. The first two episodes of the series deal with death the most, and I found myself shedding a few tears after one very heartfelt moment in the second episode. Another very touching episode comes near the series' conclusion, titled Falmagon and Michiru. Michiru had an accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. She can no longer be with her track and field team, and she believes her physical handicap makes her no longer attractive to a guy she has always wanted to hook up with, with on the team. Falmagon is this junkyard ogre with a childish, innocent voice. He and Michiro have been pals for a while, and Falmagon loves her like a really close friend. He will do anything for her despite her self-pity raising her temper and taking that anger out on him occasionally. It is discovered that he has developed an ability to put things back together the way they once were after being broken. Scroll down here. Falmagon on several occasions tells Michiru he wants to tell her he want excuse me, he wants to see her smile again. One evening in the junkyard, Falmagon decides to hear heal Michiru's legs. However, because repairing broken bones takes more power to accomplish than, say, putting a glass bottle back together, Falmagon has to summon all of his energies to heal Michiru. 
Gohan sacrificing himself so Michiro can walk again. The following morning, Michiro is shocked to discover she can walk again. Yard to tell Famagon, but one of the series' main characters, Professor Haibara, tells her she will no longer see him. Understand the Famagon was behind her ability to walk again and sobs uncontrollably. It's an incredibly touching story of love and self-sacrifice, and the Falmagon character is one the audience will immediately fall in love with. It's a tearjerker for sure. Q. Neo Ultra Q has three main characters, Professor Haibara, Emiko Watarase, and Shoei Shiroyama. Psychologist. Emiko is a journalist. And Shoei owns a bar. And also in similar fashion to Jun, Yuriko, and Ipe from Ultra Q, these characters aren't always front and center in the episodes. In fact, Emiko, Haibara, and Shoei play an even more subdued role in Neo Ultra Q than did Jun, Yuriko, and Ipe. More times than not, all three or even one or two of them are supporting characters in a story. There are definitely a few episodes where we barely get to see them at all. As mentioned earlier, the series ran for 12 episodes in 2006. There are only 12 episodes produced I could not find an answer to, nor could I figure out why the show was canceled after 12 episodes or if the original intent was to produce just those 12 episodes. Very little information is available in English about the show. Neo Ultra Q is some is in some ways. Let me start that again. In conclusion, Neo Ultra Q in some ways continues the trend set by Ultra Q, but with its own take on the material as well. It definitely is more philosophical than its predecessor and is also more emotional. There aren't any kaiju in the series, at least not the kind so many of us associate with when we hear the word kaiju. While I do believe those who dislike the anime Godzilla trilogy may have disliked this may have disliked the series because the anime trilogy was heavy on the philosophy as well, I would seriously implore people to give this series a look. It's only 12 episodes, so little of your time will be taken. I also believe that some people who may be on the fence about the series may actually enjoy it should they give it a try. It's an emotional, heartfelt series that does push certain agendas in particular directions, but it does so with the theme of love and community as the base theme of every story. I thoroughly enjoyed this series and highly recommend it. I also hope all of you take the opportunity to check it out for yourselves if you haven't already done so. Um, yeah, as far as um, when it comes to the amount of episodes that they do, uh, like anime anime and TV shows over in Japan, they're usually around 12 to 13, so that's that's usually the normal number right there, so. Yeah, uh, George Guzman wrote, I would love to see Toho teaming up with another production company and do a solo Rodan film. I feel that Rodan has been shortchanged in these last couple of features. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I would argue a lot of Kaiju has been shortchanged. Um, anybody who knows the story behind GMK knows that Shusuke Kaneko wanted Godzilla, Barogon, Anguirus, and Varan in there. And like well no those guys are not as popular so we're gonna throw in 
Dora and Mothra. We'll keep Baragon, but we'll get rid of Varan and Anguirus. But yeah, it's just it's it's all about it's all about the moolah in the end. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, uh, Neo Alter Q uh, was something I was really excited about, and um, I think it it really. It, it, with the personal hype I gave it, I think it lived up to that. <laughs> so, is it? Um, does it sort of? I know I haven't really seen this new Ultra Q TV show yet. Um, as far as sort of the whole thing, does it sort of kind of go along the lines of like the original one did, or is it sort of? doing its own thing in a way um in its it's like the original in that it deals with some unique super not really even supernatural because that one had some ghosts and stuff periodically this one doesn't this one is a world in which weird things happen but at the same time ogres or kaiju as they're called here do exist and occasionally live among people um whereas that wasn't the case before um and they're not really like giant monsters in this sort of set they're, there's they're just more like sort of maybe taller or the same height as there, there are some like the largest there is an alien being that comes in for one episode towards the end and i think we only see them talk through their spacecraft i think but in terms of an ogre the largest one i think we see is probably anywhere between 15 20 feet tall um you know so it's not overly huge um yeah um it's it's a different world it's a world where ogres live live among people kaiju as we know them don't really exist there are the occasional aliens um you have three main characters but like i said similar to ultra q they aren't always the center of a story they may just barely show up if at all you may even get one or two of the characters showing up periodically in a in a show um but by and large it's sort of uh, you know its own thing there there's no continuity uh, between the episodes each episode is its own story its own sort deal of, sort of, but sort the of, sort of doing like the whole like kind of the the show era versions where it's just basically all yeah i mean small ways it's similar to ultra q but it's more or less its own thing as well. Like it has sort of the loose foundation of the original, but by and large, it's its own thing. But it seems like, like uh, when you're reading your uh, synopsis or review there, it seems like there's at least a couple little things that is consistent throughout the entire show. Well, yeah, it's like uh, the one person has a, like, is in love with this one particular person in ways. Yeah, I mean, 
like I said, it's it's a very philosophical series. If you've ever seen um, Twilight Zone or, or the original, or even uh, the original Outer Limits, you will realize that a lot of those episodes were commentaries on different things within society, but told through the lens of science fiction. In many ways, this is like that. Uh, the original Ultra Q was sort of like that too, but I would argue Neo Ultra Q on that. Um, Neo Ultra Q, I would argue, definitely tries to commentate on various aspects uh, about the human condition and life in, on this world. Um, and it gets very heavy at times. Um, and and, and um, it, it, it's philosophical. At times it gets a little flowery uh, with itself, which for me is fine. I don't mind that stuff as long as it's done well, and I think it is done well here. Um, I think it's genius. I think out of everything tokusatsu I have ever seen, you know, going back, what, like 28 years now, and I've seen some really good stuff with some good stories, I would argue Neo Ultra Q at this point – a fan is probably the best philosophically well-written material that sort of commentates on etc and and kind of like i said uh, you know near the end of my review there the base themes of really every episode involves one if not both things community um as sort of the base and um like i said it gets very philosophical they 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 are trying to sell you certain ideas and either tell you something's wrong that needs to be fixed or tell you one thing is better than another uh you know that sort of thing um I think it is a very well done series. Uh, it's a darn shame that there weren't more episodes because I think they could have gone on longer and commentate on more things. Um, but I think for what they did, it's almost hate to throw the G word around uh, because sometimes it's thrown around very loosely, but I'm just going to say it because I think it's true. I think it's genius. Uh, I think I love the original Ultra Q. The original Ultra Q is a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I love that series an awful lot. Um, but I think Neo Ultra Q is a better written series because it makes you think. It makes you feel. And, and I think some not always, because sometimes there are movies and shows that are written to make you think and to feel, but I think sometimes they don't make it fun or enjoyable at points. Um, this makes it fun and enjoyable. I mean, sure, like I said, I shed a few tears at times uh, during the course of the series, and I'm not making that up. I did. I mean, there are a some really heartfelt stories uh, being told here, but it's not done in a way that sort of makes you feel awful, you know, or anything like that. It makes you think and it sort of forces you to try to like change any sort of shortcomings within yourself where possible. Yeah. And I know that you're huge fans of these particular shows like um, Twilight Zone, uh, the two iterations of it, uh, Arrow Limits and Basically, you know what I'm talking about. As far as if you uh, maybe rank all of them, 
in its sort of aspect. Where would you place this particular TV show amongst all of these? I would put a third because um, Twilight Zone came first, and I think it still did everything the best. Which one? The first uh, or the second? Uh, oh, version. the first. I, I'm not touching the 80s stuff <laughs> or even the, the new stuff. Um, there have been like four iterations of uh, – but the original series. Um, then The Outer Limits. The Outer Limits w- involved uh, similar commentaries and some respects but also different commentaries but they did things in more much more of a straight up science fiction horror um way where there were actual like aliens or mutations or creatures or monsters or what have you um involved i would place that second neil uh, ultra q i would place third mainly because of two things one thing is there are only 12 episodes so it doesn't have the the dearth of a library that the other two have not to mention it it comes decades after the other two shows came along so in a roundabout way it is sort of um on some level mirroring what those two shows did but you know, even then, I, I I would easily watch this again many many times because it does things in its own unique way. I mean, it's Japan, it's pop culture. You deal with their own form of monsters. You deal with their own form of deities and demons, and you know the stuff that they believe in and have just been a part of their pop culture for years. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I still would highly recommend it. But if I had to rate these, you know, if if you told me here, here are three shows, the original Twilight Zone, the original Outer Limits, and Neo Walter Q, you you can only pick one, and that's the one you're you're stuck with for the rest of your life. Which one would you pick? For me, it's hands down the original Twilight Zone for me, anyways. Mm-hmm. And then, as far as a rating out of 10. Did you uh, give a rating? I didn't know, but I would rate it a 10 easily. It's, it's, it's a 10. I think, I think people have to check this out. Um, I, I, it's, it's different than what you're going to find. And I think on some level, people who may not be familiar with uh, either ultra Q or just are not willing to maybe take a chance on this. Uh, I'm almost afraid people are just going to pass this one up and just sort sort of shrug their shoulders and, and just kind of be like, this isn't worth it. Um, so I, I would really implore people um, to do it. Uh, was there not an episode titled, it came from the year 2020? Talk about prophetic. In what, in, in Neo Ultra Q? Um, I don't... My understanding, I didn't see anything like that in Neo Ultra Q or, um, or the um, original Twilight Zone or the original... Let's see here. I don't want... It just is giving me news stories here. That's not what I want. List of episodes. I'm looking at uh, Wikipedia here. Um, Yeah, I'm not seeing anything of the sort. I'm not seeing anything about... It came from the year 2020 on anything. I even wrote it came from the year 2020 episode. Um, 
Because I just got done recently going through the original Twilight Zone for a fourth time. There was no episode title that I saw um, the original one last year. There was nothing that title, and I know there was nothing like that here um, with a Neo Ultra Q. So I guess I'm not I'm not sure what show you are referring to um, here. You know more about that than I do. You could educate me here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, unless if there's anything else you want to talk about here, I can possibly move on to uh, my my thing here in the, the last bit of <laughs> thing on my list I've got. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So the one thing I wanted to discuss about it's also – in the realm, the whole the the Super Riot Productions here, and this is sort of my thoughts on the latest um, addition to the Ultraman franchise. And that's uh, Ultraman Z, and it just concluded its uh, final episode here with sort of the whole records of uh, restorage here the other day, uh, basically right on Christmas. Uh, here uh, Ultraman Z and uh, I've, I've for the past <laughs> several weeks I've been watching this here on YouTube and uh, as far as my thoughts on it uh, I really dig the story that they uh, did this time around compared to the last uh, several years since I've uh, got back into seeing the more recent uh, stuff of Ultraman, starting with Ultraman X. Uh, obviously, I haven't uh, seen uh, the last two, which were Ultraman RB and Ultraman Taiga, because we didn't have any uh, distributor, because I know uh, the last... Uh, we got RB now on home Blu-ray. Right, but uh, was it Crunchyroll? They previously streamed uh, these shows uh, from Ultraman X, and then you had Ultraman Orb, and then Ultraman Geed or Geed, how you pronounced it. And then after that, you, uh, they just sort of <laughs> stopped uh, streaming. So I, so I never saw the the last two. But uh, finally, uh, Super Riot, uh, the official YouTube channel of theirs, uh, started streaming Ultraman Z. So I've been watching this show and the whole story of it it's uh it sort of you know goes back to like uh the sort of the oh um original formula a little bit with where you got this whole um uh special force or special unit um for ultraman However, there's just uh, a little bit of twist here and there, and he had this um, parasitic uh, alien called Celebro who's been uh, possessing certain beings. Even the head of this whole storage uh, special unit uh, that helps uh, defeat the monsters and stuff through like these robots, and they build these robots like Svenger and then later on uh, 
was it uh Wyndham and uh this uh uh version of King Joe and this uh celebro alien parasite gets a uh possesses the head and it just yeah, it just goes down from there and like they build this Ultroid Zero, which is a robotic version of Ultraman. And probably gonna get into spoilers here, so if you don't wanna see this back out now. <laughs> so um but, yeah, they uh uh make this D four ray, which is like this uh power ray which sends these monsters into a different universe, so to speak. And, and basically this Ultroid Zero is a uh, predecessor to a uh, ultimate weapon that this uh, parasite alien uh, wants to, you know, take over the world or destroy the world and everything. It's, it's a really, really good show and everything and in the was it the characters you got uh was it koshu hirano who plays as uh the main protagonist uh, haruki uh natsukawa who turns into uh ultraman z and you got uh takaya oyagi who returns as uh jugglers juggler from uh ultraman geed or jeed there or uh also as captain shota uh Kura, and then you got uh, rima uh, matsuda who portrays as as uh, yoko uh nakashima who's sort of like uh the love interest to <laughs> uh haruki but uh yeah it's it's a really really good show it's oh man and the visual effects i think they've gotten heck of a lot better in the last few years since I've uh, gotten back into the more recent uh, Ultraman TV shows. Story is so much better this time as I've uh, sort of gone through it here. The cast, I think the cast, the casting of of uh, oh, uh, Ultraman Z, it's I think they fit perfectly well with uh, the kind of show that they were going that they were going for for Ultraman Z and yeah it's and then the the monsters that they have in this one of course they sort of recycle some of the uh, the previous ones that you usually see from previous Ultraman shows or uh, the Showa versions of the Ultraman uh, franchise it's a really good one if you haven't uh, seen Ultraman Z I would say do so now they it's when it comes to the YouTube uh, channel for for uh, Super Ride Productions it seems like that they have these episodes up for a certain amount of time and then they take them off so I, would, I missed that so I would at least say they do have the last few, uh, the last few episodes up, so I would at least maybe try to take a look at them uh, before that they are taken down. Um, but yeah, it's 
just a really good episode and they've got the two boxes coming out the first box coming out next month and then i think the next one box two i think is coming out either february or march that sort of speak i'm not sure if they're going to have subtitles of that regard but yeah it's all in all ultraman z is by far of the more recent uh, ultraman tv shows this one is probably the best one i've seen so far and basically story-wise i think is what makes it the best one here and my verdict for this one is also a 10 out of 10 from what i've seen so don toween was saying that the the episode he was referring to came from ultra q so you can tell i haven't seen ultra q in a while the last time i went through that series was early 2016 so the episode you're referring to is called um challenge from the year 2020 and here jason i'm sending you a link there's this um there i forget the name of it but there's a picture of it on that image link there uh, i the name escapes me i wouldn't recognize it um but yeah I, now that i see pictures of it i have vague memories of that, that particular episode um oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember this one here what's the what's the kaiju Oh, it showed up in like I think the last episode of Ultraman. I know that uh, he's part of the uh, the the Ultraman anime series. I know the face. Um, let me take a look. See here. Ultra uh, Q. Um, let me do a, a quick search. Challenge from the year twenty twenty months. Monster. Come on. Let's see here. What's the name of this thing? Kimer Man? Kimer Man from Ultra Q, I think. I think that's what it's called for that. I guess. Or the vanishing monster Haruki. Haruki, yeah, I think so. Okay. Phantom. Kimer, yeah, I've seen Kimer Man and Haruki. Big memories of this now, because, yeah, I mean, my gosh, it's been nearly five years since I've been through um, that series, and I've been wanting to go through it again. I just, I've been with with a few other things. But, um, yeah, so uh, with basically Ultraman Z coming to a close on Christmas Day here. But they're going to have a follow-up kind of a mini-series uh, called Ultraman Chronicles Z Heroes Odyssey. And this is also not only going to show you know, some of the continuation of uh, Ultraman Z, but it's also going to be commemorating the 25th anniversary of Ultraman Tiga. So I think from what I've seen on some of the promos for this one that they're going to possibly be showing uh, some of the Ultraman Tiga specials that were made back in the uh, mid to late 90s. Uh, so- yeah, I've heard a lot of 
good things about Ultraman Z from uh, from um, people uh, on Facebook. Uh, once in a while, I'll see some of my friends post their thoughts on the on the latest episode when it's released. But yeah, I have not caught any of the the shows, unfortunately. And and if Subaraya has taken them down after a short bit, um, that's disappointing because now I'm not going to get a chance to go through the whole thing until there's any sort of uh, potential home video release uh, down the road. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to for Ultraman Chronicles Z, this this is going to be uh, airing obviously not only on Japanese televisions but on the YouTube channel starting uh, January 9th. So if you want to continue on watching this, you'll also get a chance uh, early next month. So with that, that's uh, basically it on my end. Yeah, I thought about diving into um, one other thing. Um, one one of the things I originally had in mind turned out to take a lot more time to do research than I had initially thought. And then on top of that, too, because I didn't write down some of the main themes or premises that I wanted, I sort of forgot some of it by the time I was ready to sit down and do any sort of research on it. And then I thought about coming in and doing um, a thing that I can do sort of off the top of my head without um, too much, you know, research really uh, because it it comes from the heart, man. It comes from the heart. Um, (laughs) But um, I'm just going to touch upon it. I'm not going to do a, you know, a a big spiel or anything like that. Um, But I just wanted to touch upon something that has been sort of also on my mind uh, over the last odd number of weeks. And it it took me back to August, one of a a post from August Ragoni's blog from, gosh, I don't know, like eight, nine, ten or so years ago, whenever he wrote it. And that is, uh, why is it that um, we, you know, so many of us love the kaiju genre, tokusatsu stuff and and all that. And I guess, too, this can uh, go into why do we love even American, you know, like monster films or whatever. Do I have one in reach here? I do. You know, like something, you know, like Dinosaurus or something like that. You know, why why do some of us just get so, you know, attracted to sorts of things and i guess for a lot of people they scratch their heads and are like hey, what, you know why do you like uh, you know the rubber suited you know uh creatures out of japan you know, those things are so cheesy and you know it looks so stupid and i tell them first of all you've never seen a damn thing because if you did you probably would get a little bit of an understanding of why we enjoy it but anyways ragoni had said that um one of the reasons why so many of us um, these films and, and these shows, this genre, is because of their inherent Japanese-ness. Uh, in other words, he was talking about a particular style and, and an approach 
these films and these shows. And in other words, too, it's it's the Japan's own brand of culture and pop culture, uh, obviously being put into these movies and these shows, just like here in America. Any movie and show uh, that is being made, American cultural and pop cultural values and and what have you are inserted into into those uh, products. Um, definitely is a huge part of it. Uh, also, one of the things is that obviously a lot of us are huge fans of dinosaurs. Some of our first love, mine uh, for sure, was dinosaurs when I was a kid. Seen, you know, as a child, when you see a dinosaur on a TV screen or at a theater, uh, especially if it's a live action film, it just makes it that much more exciting. You see, you see it come to life, so to speak, and um, get destroyed. And I. To me, I don't take as much joy, I guess, as seeing buildings being destroyed like I did when I was a kid. That just must be something that is very kid-like, I guess. I get, I can't really explain that part, but I remember as a kid, it's like, I want to see buildings crumble. I want to see them fall. And now it's just like, yeah, I mean, I want to see that, but it's not like it, it doesn't make or break a film for me like it once would. But um, mm-hmm. is too that especially for us older fans i'm in my mid-30s here and i think part of the reason why people like myself and those who are a little bit younger than i am and those who are older than i am outside of the fact that yeah the inherent japanese-ness the fact that many of us have a basis of of loving dinosaurs when we were kids too and seeing something like that especially in a live action show or film is pretty fun and unique especially obviously when you see it as a kid um i think especially as we become older one of the things that keeps us attached to not just the tokusatsu genre and the kaiju sub genre and even western made films like dinosaurus um just all of those things that keep us attached to these things but i would argue nostalgia sentimental value as well um i remember clear as day um very late in 2011 when i was playing godzilla double smash on my ds that all of a sudden i had sort of this resurgence again in my fandom i became so um interested in godzilla and kaiju again because it got to a point there for a number of years i was into godzilla i would watch maybe a couple movies a year but i wasn't really watching like i was our podcast had been going on a little bit for a while then it went on this long hiatus um and i really wasn't even into kaiju as much then as i thought i was um and i was in college i was you know focused on getting my trying to get a degree and and then you know i was big into sports following sports an awful lot and and all that too just you know more interested in the day-to-day things that were going on realized when i was playing double smash that one night it was basically around new year's eve of 2011 i'm like man like this is really a lot of fun godzilla and all that i gotta start watching these movies again and that's what started my whole fan resurgence thing and by early 2012 i started really getting heavy uh, into kaiju 
genre again. I think I've talked about this before periodically on this podcast over the last like eight years, where there were some movies where kid or a teenager growing up were not very good. I actually found myself enjoying some of those types of films like Giger the Three-Headed Monster. I remember when I first saw that and even for a number of years afterwards, I thought that movie was overhyped and really not all that great. Now I look at it, I'm like, okay, the quality of it is down, but that's because that was like the third Honda Kaiju film he released within 1964. So it was a rush job and it shows in many respects, but it's a fun film. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Mothra versus Godzilla's superior film in every way to that one. Um, or, uh, eh, it's it's there. Um, but excuse me, but Ghidra is a lot of fun, you know, despite some of the the obvious shortcomings of of that particular film. Mega Gears was another film that I never was too high on either, and I found myself enjoying it more. I don't think it's I, I'm not in love with it, but I I think it's a, a rather fun film. I think it's meaning than I used to think it was. And and I remember sitting down one evening, this was 2012. I was doing an internship um, this one particular evening. I think it was a Friday evening, and I was working late. And it's an unpaid internship. Those are always fun. And I came home. It was a long day. I was tired. And a number of years of being in college and focusing on getting my degree and following sports and just following regular day-to-day reality stuff, um, I realized I was gradually much fun with life as I was. And certain things in general uh, were making me more depressed and all that. And I realized as I had been at that point for about five months getting into Kaiju films. Kaiju films me to escape into a different realm, into a different reality for a while. Me an awful lot of simpler times when I was a, a young kid or a teenager, you know, with with little to no responsibilities at all remembering the things that made me happy, like the goofy little things. Um, You guys occasionally, if you have seen my son over the last nine months when we've done uh, commentaries or maybe even general discussions of certain films, you see how easily excited he gets at various things. Back in May when we did a Shin Godzilla commentary, Jason and I tore that film apart and you heard him and saw him in the background going, huh? Good. Like you, you heard him and saw him uh, defending that film and he's a child you know he doesn't really understand you know some of the sophistications of storytelling and some of the nuances and that sort of thing and we all were like that and um podcast a movie podcast i listened to were these hosts a couple months ago we're talking about how there were some films that they loved as a kid but can't stand now as an adult because of the storytelling techniques within those films. They just 
sometimes don't age well as you age. Mm -hmm. I do. And for me, and I do believe a lot of fans that are around my age, a little bit younger and older, being able to escape reality for a while, being able to um, that sentimental period in our lives as kids, when a vast majority of us were exposed to this material and to have that wave of nostalgia again to sort of relive it in some small way i think reason why we love these films so much we love them because of the characters we love them because we like a certain uh, art form of pseudimation and and destruction and that sort of thing too uh, and it's just fun seeing giant monsters uh, you know roll around and kick the crap out of each other as well and just explosions explosions um, so there is an element of wanting to just sort of relive those moments of being a kid again as well um, I certainly do think for those of us who are in our 20s and older, a big part in it as well. Um, and I think Rigoni was right, and I don't remember everything he wrote in that article. Maybe he did write something about nostalgia and sentimentality in his article. I don't know. It's been – the last time I saw that blog post was like seven years ago, so I don't really remember much other than the, the Japanese-ness part of that, that post. But you're, you're um, finally bringing this up. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was kind of clear the way I was starting this whole thing off. But yeah. um, but anyway, um, I, I do think for those of us who are older fans, uh, reliving those moments of wanting to be a kid again, to just have that innocent fun where – we cared about how the films and the monsters sort of looked but nowhere near as much as we do as adults you know as adults we tend to nitpick at everything we will try to find every flaw imaginable whereas as a child you sit down and you're just blown away most of the time by whatever you see you know and yeah on some level you can kind of tell when something looks good or doesn't but a large scheme of things you don't and you just take it for what it is you enjoy it and that's all that matters to you i remember as a kid when i first started watching these godzilla films what mattered to me uh, first and foremost as I watched these films was was Godzilla using his fire breath and was he using it a lot? If not, ugh, I had some problems with that. But then two, um, you know, were there model buildings being destroyed and or some fun monster battles to be had as well? But other than that, it's like I don't care. I'm seeing the, these giant type creatures on my TV screen in a film for an hour and a half 
causing havoc and fighting each other and, and all that stuff and aliens and stuff. And, and, and I didn't realize as I got older, Hey, some of these stories really don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. But as a kid, I'm just like, ape aliens in a giant mechanical Godzilla and they're fighting and Godzilla's bleeding. Oh my God, is he going to live? Like, and there's a puppy dog God over here. Is he going to actually help Godzilla defeat Mechagodzilla? Ah! You know, <laughs> and you know, that's the only thing that mattered, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, it's just, you just take it, even if it's complete and utter nonsense, you know, you just take it and you just have fun with it. And that's, what's so great about a lot of these films as well, because like I said, like what, maybe 98, 99% of us got exposed to this stuff as kids and we became hooked and have remained hooked. Watching these films and these shows gives us an opportunity to live those small moments as kids. Mm-hmm. Those innocent moments, those innocent days, maybe take us back to the first time we saw that film or or a couple times when we saw that film or whatever. I That certainly happens to me once in a while when I watch a movie. It doesn't have to be a kaiju movie. Sometimes I watch something like Rocky IV, and I'm reminded of one time I watched it in the past, and I'm just like, boy, that was a great time when I watched it. And here I am watching it again, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And um, it just takes you back to those nostalgic sentimental times and um and i think for us older fans that plays a huge part in it Mm -hmm. yeah like with a lot of these especially when it comes to um godzilla versus the sea monster and uh godzilla versus megalon like those two movies are like the first two godzilla movies i've seen particularly with the both of us, Godzilla vs. Sea Monster has a special place in our heart because it's the very first Godzilla movie that we've seen together back in 1992. Holy shit. (laughs) I can't believe it's been close to nine years. Not nine years. 29 (laughs) years since we've been fans ever since. I can't believe it's been that long ago. But yeah, it's like every time whenever I see that movie, it, it just takes me back to that certain time period of like from a long time ago in this like certain room of our really old house that we used to live in back in those days. And it's like, man, just it's like some of those times that we've had when we were little kids, like it sort of was the good days that we've had. Yeah. Uh, back when then. you're a kid, it's the good days, even though your parents are like, oh, my God, these are awful times. But as a kid, you don't know any of that stuff. You don't understand it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's like with some of the TV shows, you know, we haven't really seen much of the tokusatsu stuff when we were a kid. We've only just seen some of that stuff in the last. Power Rangers, Superhuman, Samurai was about as close as we got. Yeah, it's like, I think that was probably... Like with the Power Rangers, I think that's probably right around the same time period when we started seeing. Ninety three was when it debuted here. Yeah. So, so, but with like, I would say Johnny Sacco and like Ultraman and some of these other things we've seen at a later time period, like in the last uh, several years, 
back in the 2010s. What? Uh, it's like when we started seeing some of these uh, TV shows. It's like it would have been nice to have seen that stuff when we were kids, but obviously since we've grown up during that time period, especially with me now seeing uh, the whole series of Johnny Sacco and his flying robot within the past year or two, it's like it would have been nice to have seen that as a kid. I sort of criticized that. <laughs> Yeah, more in the, we, we the past, have. like the past eight straight episodes when we were talking about that uh, TV show and stuff. But there are at least some good aspects of that show in certain episodes oh, that we've talked about. But overall, it was sort of a, it was sort of in the middle. Um, overall, for me, at least. Yeah, so it would have been nice to have seen some of these. TV shows as when when we were a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's great stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why I've really... It just over... I mean, I've all... So many of us have always loved movies and all that, but I have found myself over the last... Four to five years especially, really falling... Like, like I was buying up movies like crazy starting in 2016. And I sort of tapered off because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just buying just about everything that's on the shelf. So, like, for example, this is a film I saw clips of when I was a kid, but I've never seen the whole film and I still haven't, but I bought it um, with Schwarzenegger. Um, and I like Schwarzenegger. And I heard some interesting things about the film. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's. 80s it probably looks and it probably has some really dumb stupid moments but you know what it seems like it's fun it seems like it's gonna make me escape the real world for a while i'm gonna buy it and one of these years watch it um and then let's see um where other well, uh, well. Anyways, I got a couple of Van Damme films downstairs too. One of them is Kickboxer, and the other one is Bloodsport. I've seen Bloodsport like a handful of times. Uh, in many ways, it's sort of a dumb film, uh, but um, entertaining as heck. Kickboxer, I've seen once all the way through, and it has its dumb, silly moments as well. It's got the Van Damme. <laughs> clap and dancing scene <laughs> in it. It's, it's really goofy as shit, but it's funny. <laughs> but it's a fun film, you know? And you know, that's just how it is. And and I've really, in like Twilight Zone, I've talked Twilight Zone a number of times over the last year on this podcast. Uh, I got books. In fact, I got one right here behind my computer. Just a second here. I just started reading this. Uh, the Twilight Zone Companion. Um, love this stuff and just sort of the history of shows and how they make you feel and all that stuff and and all that. It just so many of us have gotten big into films, and I think the internet has definitely helped a, a lot of that because it's connected a lot of us together to talk about this stuff. Yeah, has helped as well. And like. Uh- for me, when I grew up, too, besides watching Godzilla films, like can, I've uh, grown up watching all those uh, Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, you know, from like his 
some of the obscure ones, Total Recall or uh, Stop or My Mother Would Shoot <laughs> and the like. And, uh, or um, was it uh, Wango and Tango, I think it was? Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash, that's it. Tango uh, and Tango. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of along that line. But yeah, it, it's like some of those obscure sort of uh, movies and, or Cobra. Oh, man, it's some of those things just take you back. And um, yeah, it's, I don't even know what else to talk about yeah. like some of those things and yeah I can yeah <laughs> yeah well I think with that I think we're ready to close aren't we with our kaiju palooza yeah I think right now we're basically right on our uh, three hour mark to be exact that wasn't planned we were just like eh, if we have a shorter <laughs> show that's okay but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2020. I mean, what, what a, what a, shit what show. an awful year. There's been some silver linings in it. Some of it we talked about earlier in the show, um, you know, and then in our own personal lives too. There have been some silver linings along the way too. But then there's been a lot of loss and a lot of, um, you know, nervousness and, and uncertainty uh, yeah, about like for this me, year. It's like for me, I used to work from home for about a month and a half from March to beginning of May. And then currently right now, uh, working from home right now, we're not even entirely sure when we're going back to the office. Um, like we only have maybe at least a max number of 10 people, uh, going and working at the office (laughs) there currently. So it's like majority of us are just sort of working from home there. So, yeah, um, that's <laughs> sort of the silver silver lining on my end. There. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's thankfully there's a light at the end of the tunnel with this whole pandemic. It's going to take about another six or so months before we really start to see uh, some changes. Um, I personally don't think G-Fest will be held again next year uh, because by the time more vaccines will be readily available, it's going to be, you know, about a month out roughly from the time G-Fest is is ready to kick off. But who knows? We'll we'll just kind of see how things uh, play out in the next odd number of months. Um, But it's like if that uh, if G-Fest doesn't happen again next year and gets postponed another year. After that, I know I've at least got a backup plan just in case. Yeah, and uh, so we we really hope that uh, all of you that have been listening to us over the um, you know over the last nine months that you have had a very uh, safe and you know as good as it can get <laughs> twenty twenty. Um, and and hopefully 2021 will be a lot better. It, it can't get any worse. So like the old saying goes, the one good thing about being down, the only way to go is up. So, um, you know, 2021 should be better. It, again, it still is going to take a little while, but next year we're going to see a totally different <laughs> – totally different world than what we're seeing right now and i think it's all going to be for the better 
and um so just stay safe. Um, we haven't figured out yet when our next episode's going to be. Um, like I said, we're going to be changing some format things here uh, coming up starting, uh, you know, episode. Uh, Jason and I uh, have talked about what we're going to do with the opening of 2021 for the first one to two months. Um, I would like for it to be two months <laughs> at least. Uh, maybe even longer uh, would be to do commentaries. Um, we got a ton of films still left on our commentaries list we need to touch upon. I think it would be a fun, entertaining way to kick off uh, the new year and hopefully a year that's going to be a lot more fun than this one was. And um, I, I just love the commentaries. We always have a lot of fun yeah. with them. Yeah, and It was, um, it was a pretty shitty year to celebrate our 10 years uh we can redo it next year it would have been been nice to you know have done something special although you can probably count the daikaiju fest as being sort of the main highlight of our 10 years you can make a new graphic that says daikaiju network 10 years hyphen the redo <laughs> and put Redux. 2021 in parentheses <laughs> at the end. <laughs> maybe, maybe for 15 years or something. <laughs> if but, we get uh, there. yeah, but yeah, like um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully, you've had a good year. That you've all been safe and healthy, and and like I said, the silver linings we've gotten: Gamera, you know, new improved camera films warning from space ultraman stuff and god knows what else that we didn't even cover um 2021 is going to be better godzilla versus kong more ultraman stuff from my understanding in fact ultraman taro i believe is coming out on blu-ray oh it's uh, already out next- yeah i think uh let, let me see here uh, it can't be because i pre-ordered that thing Hold on. Yeah, let me check here because I know I was... Ultraman Taro January I got in my pre-orders here. Oh, no, never mind. I'm thinking of something else. Sorry. (laughs) I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. Uh, Hopefully we've made your 2020 a little bit more fun. Um, You know, despite all the crappiness that is going on and uh, I'm losing my voice been talking for a while now (laughs) so much uh, for just your support Uh, you know again to remind everybody Jason I don't make a single penny off of this show we don't try to raise money uh, or anything like that we've never done anything like that although we've discussed it but we just can never figure anything out properly and and there have just been other things going on as well but all of this is free uh you know it's we do it because we love it and um just having all of you guys um listen download or watch us however you you find us and prefer to to listen to us maybe some of you like to see our ugly mugs i guess um but um you know we really do appreciate it and and just eyeballs is all we really care about and just hoping that we provide you guys with some fun entertainment for you know an hour and a half to three hours Mm -hmm. and yeah speaking of uh listening or watching us you can obviously see down below on our ticker there you can listen to us over at uh, apple podcast google podcast 
Spotify, iHeartRadio, and as well as TuneIn, and as well as you can watch us over on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Periscope, Facebook Live, and uh, DLive as well. And you can also hit, if you're on uh, YouTube, you can hit that uh, subscribe button down below or in as well as uh, hit the notification bell to get the latest uh, up to date of when we uh, go live or upload a uh, video and a like. And you can also like and subscribe to us on other social uh, media websites. Just search for Daikaiju Network. And you can also follow us at our own website at uh, Daikaiju Network. And I just uh, launched a new version of the home uh, home landing page there where you can navigate uh, things much easier compared to <laughs> the previous uh, home page there. You can also uh, watch us uh, live there directly on our website if you want to and uh, check some of the uh, past episodes on our uh, audio player uh, bar that's uh, right below uh, the uh, web browser there. So, um, unless if there's. intend on doing more stuff on our website. I know I said that this time a year ago, and I didn't, and the pandemic hit, and then that really screwed things up. So, I'm really hoping that next year I'm going to be more active on producing content for the site. So, um, otherwise, if there's. Nothing else that you want to uh, bring bring up. Uh, we can uh, close out the episode. Just want to say once again to everybody, thank you so much for listening and or watching to us over this uh, rough year. And again, we just hope that um, we were uh, at least a little bit of a bright spot <laughs> in, in, in this rough year. All right. So with that, uh, thanks for uh, watching. And uh, just going to go out here with the, uh, the outro theme. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, sometime in uh, next month in uh, 2021 here. And we'll... Happy uh, New Year. Yeah, and we'll, we'll make sure to make an announcement of uh, when our next episode is uh, going to be here. So with that, thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. 